0: Conversation with Steve Allen.
1: Morning. Shoes off again. Here we go. I've decided else. I'm definitely taking the show. I like it the shoes off. I haven't worn socks now for four days. I'm sure it's not healthy, but luckily I have perfect feet, so I'm, I'm very lucky. Anyway, um, so um, Tuesday. Here we go. Tuesday. And a bit of rain yesterday. It was quite nice. Watered the baskets. I've decided I'm not sweeping up any more fuchsia heads. So I invested yesterday in a wet and dry vacuum. And so I'm now going to be hoovering them up. I've decided. I've spent £49.50 on a Karcher. And uh, it's bright yellow, so you won't be able to miss the blooming thing. And I'm going to hoover up dead flowers from the floor. It's the only way to do it. There is no way that I can uh, literally go around with a dustpan and brush, which is what I appear to be doing at the moment. So I've decided not to do it. And uh, and to cheat. I mean, God, haven't you occasion? I thought, you know, it's a good investment for 50 quid. And also if the drains get blocked, it'll it'll unblock drains as well. Uh, and the pain and the agony of Denise Van Outen again, I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen. As luckily, she went out with a photographer and no makeup on to show the, the pain of the love split. She split with Lee Mead. Having told us yesterday that it was mutual, they'd just fallen out of love, why would there be any pain? Well, there isn't any pain. You know, they've fallen out of love with each other. She's going out without any makeup on, which is very rare for Denise Van Outen, unless you're really emphasising it. Perhaps, she, perhaps she's out and about with no ring. Out... All right, I'll do, I'll do it again later on when you're more awake. But uh, they say, here she is looking glum. Why? It was mutual. They've fallen out of love. Why would you look in glum? You'd be skipping down the street. I'm finally out of that marriage. And also, why her? Why aren't they concentrating on him? Who cares? That Denise Van Outen. She's 39. You know, she's big. She's big enough and ugly enough to deal with this herself. The pain of splitting up. There was no pain. There was no pain. I mean, they've issued a statement. Who in God's name do they think they are? Some some Essex girl and a bloke who won a talent competition on the television. It's not like we're dealing with royalty here in any way, shape or form. So anyway, glum Denise managed to stagger out to her car. Actually, I tell you what I was interested in the other day. I was interested in the cost of Margaret Thatcher's funeral, which came in at one point two million pounds. And I thought, well that's quite good. Policing was apparently something like nine hundred and eighty thousand, but that's bought, you know, that's that's quite normal. But the rental of St Paul's Cathedral was something like eighty thousand quid. I couldn't believe how much money it was. I really couldn't believe that, that you could I mean, I don't know how much you pay for a funeral in a normal church. Presumably there are there are fees, aren't there, that you pay. Eighty thousand quid? Couldn't they have found somewhere cheaper? I mean, how much was, was my Westminster Abbey? Couldn't they have had Westminster Abbey? That's quite nice. I like that. That's, that's a good one. And I did hear a conversation. I'm sure I heard a conversation with Duncan and somebody talking about all these planets out there. There must be uh, life. No, there isn't. God never wrote about it in the Bible, so there's nothing out there. It's nice to think that there is. It's nice to think there are little green men yee wee 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 on other planets. You know, looking at it, you <laughs> But it But they're not really out there. Yeah, itty phone home, phone home. They're not out there. They don't exist. It's a nice thing. It's, it's generally people who drink too much or smoke wacky-backy that start imagining that E.T. exists and it's all Dan Dare and off into the future because it's so vast out there, there's got to be somebody else. Why? Why is it, Why has there got to be somebody else out there? doesn't have to be. I've been to Billericay. My God, you won't find a deader place than Billericay. Is there life after Billericay? Shouldn't think so. Is there life after the Watford Gap? Not too sure about that one either. I like the idea that they're now arguing about double yellow lines. Do you see that the other day? They were thinking that in, in an effort to revitalise the, the dying high street, they're going to put in double yellow lines, but you can park for 15 minutes to sort of load and unload and do a quick bit of shopping. That's just about enough to get to the cashpoint machine, isn't it? Because people do that now. They just nip out. I'm just going, I'm using, BB, I'm using the cashpoint machine. When be second? Oh, what's the number? Oh, I can't remember what it is. BB, I'm doing it. I'm doing it now. £10, thank you. And, uh, and that's it. I think that's a good idea. I think that's a great way of revitalising the high street. Perhaps Richmond Council may care to take that one on board. Because you can't park anywhere in Richmond. They seem to have 24-hour wardens. They really don't. I've never known anything like it. They just don't want to encourage anybody, again, to go shopping there. So, I don't. If I'm going to go shopping, I never take the car to Richmond. I go to Kingston. I take the car to, to Kingston... Because that, that means I can park in, in John Lewis and try and remember where I put the blasted thing. And I can go off and, and do my shopping and then come back. But there's nothing I, there's nothing I particularly want to buy. Yesterday, I, I discovered the delights of Farnborough. Have you been there before? Farnborough's nice. Farnborough's very nice. Provided you don't actually go into Farnborough. I've discovered that Costco has got as many chavs in Farnborough and people with tattoos as they have anywhere else. But it's quite it's quite nice and uh, <coughs> big. Very, very impressive. So I had a little, little poodle down there. It's only 21 miles away from me. Which actually is closer than Reading, so I'm going to start using Farnborough, I think in future because it's and I quite liked it. I liked the experience. It was like going into one of the American Costcos where they're huge. They really are big. My friend Daryl said when we went to uh, to Vegas, the first thing we had on on the list is is Costco. So that's where we went first of all, which I thought was quite sweet. Quite. Sweet. I know you go to Las Vegas, where you go Costco. Somebody's got to. They fired another uh, East Enders producer. I'm afraid. And uh, this time it's Lorraine Newman and uh, uh, she's quit because the ratings have gone. That's why they're having this big storyline with Phil and the car smash and Barbara's going back in and uh, a few other people. Actually, there was a, there was a, where did I read it? Oh, I must have read it in one of the TV critics. Oh, actually, you've got a great story about some travellers thieving a caravan, but you can't get them out because it affects their human rights. Great, isn't it, really? So uh, just make sure you double-lock your door. Uh, we can't corry on like this. This is Kim Marsh again. This will be wedding number two, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, as I say, the fiercely ambitious Miss Marsh, or Mrs Lomas, as she's now known. What if she'll revert back. The moment they started going out into nightclubs, she was going out into nightclubs, I think he was sitting at home looking after the kids, uh, you knew it was doomed. I predicted yesterday, I said, that'll be the next headline you read. I didn't realise it'd be that fast. Kim and hub, hubby number two on the rocks, they're living apart. So for that, you read, they're going to split up. You know, let's, let's not fool ourselves and be deluded about the idea that they live apart so they can try and get themselves back to... No, no, no. I think what she's done is, and uh, I shall stand by this, she's been out to a few nightclubs. I mean, she's getting on a bit now. She's 190. So she goes out to a few few nightclubs and she suddenly thought, ooh, there's another world out here. Let's forget about the kids, because that's what she did first time round. you remember when she was put into hearsay... The, the kids weren't mentioned. She'd shove them off with the, with the grandparents or something like that. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh, by the way, I've got two children. So, you know, she's always been fairly economical with the truth, put it that way. And so I think they're living apart. That means she's going to produce another fellow very shortly. Because she's been out to the nightclubs. Bit old to be in nightclubs. I think if you're, if you're married with two kids... You don't go to nightclubs. You know, call me old-fashioned, call me stupid, but if you really want to save your marriage, it's like Denise Van Outen. You know, did you want to save the marriage? Of course you didn't. That's why you kept going on holidays with with, uh, photographers. So we got all the pictures of Denise on yet another holiday because there's no work. You know, she's got a radio programme, but I think she really sees herself as being in show business. But uh, I think that's that's kind of passed it by now. He's sort of more in show business. Uh, You know, obviously the kid comes first, which it has to. But in the case of Kim Marsh, I don't think she's particularly bothered. I think she's enjoying the going out on the and on on the town and thinking that she's eighteen, nineteen, which she isn't. I think the moment you get married, that's the moment the things start to change. That's when you should should start staying in and uh, and trying to keep your marriage together. But if if you're addicted to the the bright flashing lights, if you're addicted to show business, if you're addicted to being on the front pages of the papers, whether well, you might as well not bother getting married in the first place. Because the two don't run side by side. It's a shame, really. I've seen people go for it. I've seen people who just adore the media. They abs- They can't get enough of it. Great delusions of our day. Here we go. Great TV lies and delusions. Eamon Holmes, you're everybody's favourite, Brian. Dowling. No, he's not. That's why he was kicked off Big Brother. My favourite one, though, Daniela Westbrook. I think the public would love to see me back on EastEnders. No, dear, we'd just like to see the back of you. Thank you very much indeed. There's no East Enders. They're, they're not remotely interested. We've seen you on Hollyoaks. The acting has not improved, I'm afraid. And uh, Big Brother Sam to Sophie. Being with you in the safe house, I feel like Richard Gere in Pretty Woman. Yeah, with sort of one missing ingredient, ladies and gentlemen. Um, more from the papers in a, in a moment. There's, a, there's some very interesting stories. Uh, some of them not very interesting and some quite interesting and uh, as the the boss of EastEnders is quitting, amid a run of poor ratings, the executive producer, Lorraine Newman, at the head of the show for 16 months, will move elsewhere in the BBC's drama department. So in other words, you've screwed up one programme, let's let us screw up another programme. You know, in the real world, they'll be going, oh, I'm terribly sorry, the producer of EastEnders, you're rubbish. Get rid of them. No, BBC, they just move them. It's a bit like the Catholic Church, isn't it? paedophile priest move him elsewhere move him elsewhere don't talk about it don't get people forget about it no they didn't there's a big case about to explode with the catholic church who again have found another priest who this time they've actually moved into a house they've given him a house they know the allegations the catholic church for some reason appear to be blind i remember was it the bbc or channel four did a documentary years ago on paedophile priests within the church and all they do, once they find out they're a pe- they move them elsewhere. So they carry on. In this particular case, this priest was moved to Mexico to a little town where they go because people are very into their religion. They trust these priests and everything else. It turns out they're just making it worse. they just blinkered, just totally blinkered. We know the Pope's had a rather nice time on the beach, you know, and he pulled a load of people in. But unfortunately, there's other things within the uh, within the Catholic Church that need to be looked at. Good heavens above. Martin Roberts has had a hair transplant. You know who Martin Roberts is? He does one of these... He's, to be honest with he's nobody. Yeah, I'm not being rude, but he's, he's, just a, he's just a TV presenter. And he's had a hair transplant which has cost him £12,000. And actually, it looks an awful lot better than poor old Wayne Rooney's shredded wheat on his head. I mean, that one just looks ridiculous. Martin Roberts looks good, but you don't know who he is. I think he's done two episodes of Countdown, and he does a programme in the morning, which always makes me laugh, because it's, uh, they go to these auctions, see who buys the houses. But the bit you've got to watch on the programme is, is not him. It's the end of the programme with him and her, and who gets the last word. So he'll say, and we'll be back with you tomorrow, goodbye. And then she goes, goodbye. And he wants to come back in and go, and from me, goodbye. Because it's, it's whoever has the last word on the programme that's the fun bit. So I watch them. I can imagine, like, I'm, I'm going to have the last word. No, you're not. I'm doing it. So we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. And from me, goodbye. It's hilarious. Quarter past four.
0: LBC 97... LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen.
1: Morning, Tuesday. Actually, the more you read this interview with Martin Roberts, who nobody knows who he is, the more you realise that, quite clearly, this is a freebie, because he's name-checked the place where he's had this, this procedure done, and um, it's, it's just... It's just a total non-story. Vain TV presenter, going bald, has a hair transplant. So they've stuck another giant shredded wheat on his head. You know, he looks okay, but, I mean, who cares? He he seems to be under some illusion that every time he goes out, he said, um, said, I heard the other day, somebody said, go and get his autograph, because it'll be worth money when he's dead. Nobody knows who you are. You're just that bloke who does a couple of early morning programmes, but apparently he's done loads of things. He says here he's travelled miles up and down the country. Why well, travel miles just to come into work? We all do the same sort of thing. I don't understand why it's such a big deal if you're on the television. It just means you have to waste £12,000 uh, 12, on a hair transplant. Seems an awful lot of money, doesn't it, really, I suppose? twelve grand. I mean, why are people so vain? Why don't you just go bald? If you're bald, bald's attractive. Lots of bald people are very attractive. The astonishing parallels between the super-wealthy families, the Kardashians and the uh, the ghastly Ecclestons, uh, the, the Kardashians naff family. Uh, the Ecclestons, well, the two daughters, quite naff, I'm afraid. Obviously not been brought up properly, but they've got loads of money and they love showing you how they spend it, which is great. Double yellow line parking to revitalise the high street, Steve, just as long as car parks, car cars park sensibly. Being in the fire service, fed up with poor parking, disabled drivers are the worst when parked on double yellow. That's from Keith. I never thought about that, actually. I never thought about whether or not you know, people parked properly. I mean, I'm sometimes not the best parker. Sometimes I go backwards and forwards forever, trying to get the car as near into the kerb as possible, and then you curb the alloys. And then you think, oh, I'll just sort those out at a later date. Um, apparently, Denise Van Outen showing the strain. It's all a little bit traumatic for the poor creature. She's 40 years old. You're not a child. Goodness sake! it's not the first relationship she's seen go up the Swanee. And so the front page of the Mail, they've said, is it the curse? Is it the curse of, um, of Strictly? Shouldn't think so. I shouldn't think so at all, but they've decided to make something about it uh, because they've said that um, all these people who go on to Strictly uh, are people who've appeared on the show. Other people, Natasha Kaplinsky, uh, former England cricketer Mark Ramprakash, apparently Miss, Miss Van Outen, as she's now known and her 32-year-old husband have repeatedly denied that they'd split up. The actress's agent confirmed their separation over the weekend, however, and Miss Van Outen was photographed yesterday without a wedding ring. Of course they do. They're going out to be photographed. The marriage is said to have suffered because of work commitments. Don't be so stupid. What's a load of old twaddle, isn't it? Work commitments. How do they think other people keep their marriages together? What are you saying? You've got to win the lottery and stay at home or go and move to the Outer Hebrides if you want to keep your marriage together. Work commitments. (laughs) Ridiculous! It really is. So she's gone out without makeup on the other day. No wedding ring. Who cares? It's only Denise Van Outen for God's sake. We're not talking about you know anybody remotely interesting here. Uh, here's Princess Beatrice. She really doesn't have a job, does she? In a bikini. Ooh. <laughs> it's not not a good look. I'm afraid for her. And um, she's lost a little bit of weight. But she's giggling at her boyfriend Dave's antics because Dave can spit water out of his mouth. That's clever. clever. Bit like a fountain in front of Mummy's house. Sorry, Grandmother's house. Um. And a driver claimed, you'll love this one, a driver claimed he couldn't tax his car because he'd taken too much Viagra. How that works on the tax, I've got no idea. He suggested he'd been able to leave the house to buy a new tax disc after overdosing on the anti-impotence pill. He was one of dozens of people who tried to avoid paying road tax by submitting implausible excuses. Oh, I'd have these people arrested straight away. I would have them arrested. I'm not going to I'm not going to waste time with buffoons like that. God in heaven. he wait till I tell you the caravan story. Uh, Kevin says I've not watched Eastenders for over 20 years. It's not even close to what the East End is like. Maybe as an East London milkman for over 30 years. I know. I was delivering milk out of my pram. I should write and produce Eastenders. Yes, it's it's people who who don't really know what it's like. It's not the cast, it's the writers. That that's what's made it unbelievable. That's why it's falling out of favour with the great British public, it's got nothing to do with the actors at all. It's bad writing, it's stupid storylines. I was I was explaining to somebody I'm talking to you about the It might have been an actor, or it might not have been an actor actually. On, on second thoughts, I don't think it was an actor. And it was somebody who was telling me about *To the Manor Born* when they brought it back, and they brought it back for a Christmas special. Unfortunately, the the characters had aged, but the writing was just awful. She, You know, Audrey Forbes Hamilton would have, wouldn't have would have said these things because we watched them time and time and time and time again. So we know the characters so well. If they bring in different writers, then all of a sudden the, the characters are saying things that are out of out of sync with what they would have said normally. So that didn't work at all. It was a great shame because we all, we love to the man aboard. It's like bringing back faulty towers. If you brought them all back again now, would it be as funny? I don't know. It depends who's going to be writing it. Uh, as brutal as they are cunning, who can believe, um, the raid in Cannes of the jewellery. They thought originally £35 million worth of jewels, £88 million worth of jewels, £88 million worth of jewels. But um, it, um, I don't I don't quite understand how people get away with things like that, unless it's an inside job. Uh, they say it's a gang of soldiers who've struck across the world, and they've got away with £88 million. Where are you? Fence! Jewels like that, I've got no idea. It is amazing. I mean, there's loads of these these robberies going on. We see them in London, but they're, they're just the little Romanian gangs on their little pop-pop scooters. They're sort of, you know, not the most exciting people. They're a bit dumb and thick, and they do get caught. But uh, in this particular case, will we see the jewels back again? No, because they're tiny. You can literally put £88 million worth of jewellery in a small attaché case, I would think. And so And so actually get it out. Quite quickly, and that's what he did. Went in with a gun, took it, went out, had an accomplice, and they vanished. Well, at the end of the day, somebody's 80... Oh, it'll be insured, won't it? It'll be. Unfortunately, the caravan owners were not insured. And I'll tell you their sad sto- story a little bit later on this morning. Because it's worth repeating, because it's, uh, it doesn't actually do anybody any favours. So the police haven't exactly been the most helpful, I'm afraid. Which is what you would like to think they would be. Eight four eight five zero. And then there's the um, the family, Colette Macintosh flying back from Spain with her family on a long-delayed flight. She must have been dreaming of simply getting home quickly. Immigration officers, though, had another idea. Mrs McIntosh was left stunned when UK border officials quizzed her children about whether they had abducted them because they have a different surname. Their passport details differ because Mrs McIntosh changed her name following her remarriage last year. When officials spotted it, her children were taken aside and questioned as to whether or not she was really their mother. The personal assistant from Richmond, of oh, they go to one of her own, uh, was told she now needs to carry a letter from her ex-husband, allowing her to travel with the children. And so they've got the daughters here, Anastasia and Isabella. And so now they've got to have a... It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, really, honestly. There must be other people who've been through this charade, I should imagine. Or charade. Poor soul, honestly. It's the kind of thing you don't need, is it, really? You know, so come back from holiday and they go, children, different name. Uh, yes, because I got re- remarried again. OK, oh, it's the end of a divorce, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, well, you need a letter from your husband proving you're allowed to take the children around the world. Couldn't make it up, could you, really? Uh, Torrential rain yesterday, says Noreen. Now they say the heatwave is back on Thursday. They have said that. They have said that, haven't they, that the heat wave is going to be back, which means we're all going to be suffering quite badly. Uh, the Roonies are in Portugal, best place, and Victoria Beckham is back in Hollywood and smiling. Our Tracy is the one who saw Chantelle in the Chinese with the paparazzi is in L.A. at the moment, and the weather isn't very good at all. I thought the Beckhams had moved back here, or was that just some PR puff that they come up with? So, in other words, she doesn't like living here at all because, you know, she likes being America you know, where she gets followed around all the time by her own paparazzi, and it's all, you know, it's all wonderful. Over here, it's probably just a bit, bit provincial for her. And Davy Boy only comes over to pick up some, some, some money, doesn't he, for either taking his shirt off or launching a, an aftershave or something. He doesn't know anything about aftershave at all. You could probably say to him, so what would, what would the top notes be of that aftershave? He wouldn't have the faintest idea. Wouldn't even know what you were talking about, I shouldn't think. Uh, by the way, because of the heat, if you're going to the coast... Uh, the bad news is that there's lots and lots of jellyfish. Now, I hate jellyfish. And I've seen swarms of these blooming things out there. But now Marine Conservation Society letters are going out warning people to look but don't touch. Because sometimes these the bits that hang down underneath that look a bit like seaweed can be the most dangerous bits. I mean, you can, you can really suffer. I mean, I don't know whether or not people can be allergic to this sort of stuff. You know, it's like me. I think I'm probably allergic to um, to wasp stings, because I'm terrified of wasps, and they seem to come round me. I don't know why. I must give off some sort of pheromone, where they sort of think, let's go round him and annoy him. Go away. Go away. Leave me alone. Bees, I'm all right with. Bees, I think, like me. I think bees know that I'm watering the plants because I'm doing it for their, their benefit. But wasps, oh, dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Eight four eight five zero. Stephen LBC Dr co uk. Criminals who refuse to pay legal aid bills will have their cars seized and auctioned off by the government. That's good, isn't it? I like the idea that gangster Terry Adams was granted four point seven million, and the Connor family half a million. The, those are the people who kept the drug addicts and alcoholics as virtual slaves. Ridiculous, isn't it? Really, how do these people get legal aid? I've got no idea. No idea at all. Um, and more than. 20,000 staff at Britain's biggest sports retailer are employed on controversial zero-hour contracts. I've never even heard of this. A zero-hour contract. So, sorry? We're zero hours, are we? Oh, right. I'm not, am I? I don't think. No, I'm not. Apparently, Sports Direct hires every part-timer under a deal that denies them holiday or sick pay and can't guarantee how many hours they will work each week. Well, it's called being freelance, isn't it? That's called. Cool. I mean, if, if you guarantee somebody hours, that makes you a staff person. I mean, I have a contract that says I will present for so many hours per week. But if you're freelance, then you wouldn't have that kind of thing because nobody would, would guarantee you the hours just in case. You know, so in other words, if you're freelance, you know, you might be needed this week, but next week there wouldn't be any work. The only way that you could get around that is by taking a contract to do something, in which case they guarantee you the money. I mean, th- there is there is no obligation to be given work. I mean, anybody... I mean, when I was first here as a freelance years ago, when I first started as a freelance, um, I didn't have a contract. They just phoned me up and said, oh, can you do next week somebody's off sick? There was no guarantee of the money uh, for, the, for the week after, and so what you had to do was, was go and find work elsewhere. But LBC used to have a big list of people, freelance producers, freelance presenter, especially if you're a presenter you know, you can't just sit there waiting for somebody to phone you on the promise that somebody might drop dead or go sick you know, much as though you might will it with certain people could you go sick again I mean, I was lucky because I was news reading at LBC in the beginning and I was the only freelance news reader so every time the staff people went I got all the shifts in fact, then I started working permanently so it was much, much easier but if you're a freelance producer brought in to cover somebody who's gone away on holiday they're only going to go away for two weeks, aren't they? And if there's if there's quite a lot of you in the pool, that's that's quite difficult. So I quite understand on this uh, on this Sports Direct, the staff they say but they're not staff, they're freelance. I'm assuming that the people who go into Sports Direct work maybe just on a Saturday. Or they might do a Friday and a Saturday. So it says here they'll never know how long they'll work or what they'll earn. They say it's a culture of low pay. But it's in, in this business it's been like that for years. It's nothing nothing new in the I was going to say the entertainment industry, I'm so sorry, obviously I haven't heard me on programme. Um, but it's, it's sort of, it's, that's how it is in this business. Everybody's freelance until they give you a staff job. And if you get a staff job, you then get all the benefits. I don't get any paid holiday because my pay is geared around me working 47 weeks a year, so they, they think it's built in. And if I go off sick, which I don't do very often because you don't find many presenters who go sick, I don't get paid. If I come into work, I get paid. If I don't come into work, I don't... Why would they pay you for not coming into work? So that's the that's the disadvantage. I suppose the benefit is that uh, as the staff here are contracted so they don't have to do their own tax. I have to do my own tax. How depressing is that? Anyway, it's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. hope we cleared that one up for you. It's 4.30. Station
0: with Steve Allen.
1: Morning, twenty-nine minutes to five. It's always sad when people sell war medals, and it's a very sad story in the paper today. Uh, the parents of a war hero who was killed in Afghanistan have spoken of their disgust. Uh, they used the word um, "not lightly," let me tell you, after they found out that his widow sold a medal honouring his sacrifice. Fusilier Simon Annis's young wife Caroline listed the Elizabeth Cross on Gumtree for five hundred pounds. So he gets given... This is, you know, your your, your dead husband. He's sacrificed his life. He's go, I know nothing to do with us, nothing to do with us. But the, his uh, parents are furious. Fusilia Annis' devastated parents have criticised their daughter-in-law uh, for not offering it to them before selling it. Which, of course, you would have... You know, it was their son. Why she advertise it on Gumtree unless she's particularly stupid? I've got no idea. But the first thing you would do is say, listen, I need 500 quid. I mean, God, how desperate do you have to be? I need 500 pounds. I want to sell this medal. And they'd have said, we'll give you 500 pounds. What his parents have done is they bought it back from the person who bought it off Gumtree for 1,757 pounds. So in other words, you know, this woman might have been able to get a £1,000 for it. To be honest with you, it's somebody's life, isn't it? I couldn't sell anything. I'm a bit funny about things like that. I don't know if, it, if it's normal for me or if it's, you think it's peculiar, but I've still got all my parents' furniture. I wouldn't even think about selling it. Not in a million years. Not in a million years. My brother's got half of it, I've got half of it. And I've always said to him, if you need to sell anything for money, ask me, I'll buy it. So I use it, oh, absolutely. Oh, God, yeah, I use it every day. But I, I wouldn't... I've got one, two, three... I've got about ten pieces. Ten. I wouldn't even think about getting rid of it. That's, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's our family's history. That's stuff that my parents bought years ago. It's functional furniture. There's nothing odd about it. Although somebody did say to me, don't you think that's a bit peculiar? I, said, I don't think so, no. It's, you know, it's... A, it, what else would I do with it? Sell it. And then somebody else would have it. Why shouldn't I have it? Perfectly, perfectly functioning furniture, nothing the matter with it at all. In fact, I've got a very, very nice sideboard, very nice sideboard, which I think is made out of you. I'm not even too sure what it is, but they didn't pay any more than 100 quid for their bits of of furniture, and they bought well. They bought very well. So I've got some nice hall chairs and, you know, bureaus. I've got all sorts of bits and pieces, but I wouldn't even think about getting rid of it. So for somebody to sell something for 500 quid, you know, especially when somebody has lost their life, it's just really... Awful. They'd only been married for a few months when he was killed on his six-month tour of duty, and the uh, the family just—they have branded a callous, despicable. Quite clear, there's going to be a major argument raging on this one, and it's it's awful. They—I mean, his uh, his his mother said it's as if my boy's life meant nothing to her. Well, it means five hundred quid, I'm afraid. It depends how desperate you are for the money. I mean, I would I would be hard pushed to sort of not call her callous. I don't, I don't think it's despicable. It's a case of perhaps she wasn't thinking. Perhaps she's not intelligent enough. Perhaps she doesn't think about things like that and didn't think about offering it to the parents. Perhaps she thought that the parents would would round on her, as they have done, and so she thought, I'll keep it quiet, but they found out. And so, because it went for £500, they've had to buy it back again. It's all a very sad isn't it? Things people do for £500 nowadays. There's a very strange picture in the paper today. It's it's a picture of a 13-year-old Incan girl... And the thing that is unusual about this girl, and you will look at the picture in the Daily Mail today, and, and you think it just looks like a girl asleep. She's dead. And she's 13 years old. She was heavily dosed with alcohol and coca leaves. And then she was left to die of exposure high in the Andes as a sacrifice. So you suddenly realise when you look at this picture, this body is 500 years old. This body is perfectly... Preserved. Perfectly preserved. She was known as the Ice Maiden. She's one of three children found in stone tombs on a mountain in Argentina. I mean, it's quite amazing to look at her and think she's 500 years old. And so they've done this, um, this research and discovered that lots of children were sacrificed in ceremonies called capachoa which is a ritual thought to have been used to instil fear and help control members of the rapidly expanding Inca Empire. And so there's... Uh, what, what, was, what happened here? That uh, their diet shows that all three were plied with drugs and alcohol to subdue them in the months before they died. And so then they took them up there and they left them there. And so, in other words, you know, she died of cold, but she was preserved at the same time. So it's, 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 it's an unbelievable photograph because she looks so perfect. She looks as though she's. She just could be slumped in a corner. Her clothes, everything. I mean, it's almost done, but I don't know how they've preserved everything. It's very strange. The Ice Maiden. You'll find her in the in the Daily Mail today. Uh, Margaret Thatcher's funeral. I mentioned earlier. This is the 1.2 million. Wasn't this after? Was it the Mirror were going? Oh, it's disgraceful. It's going to cost 10 million. You're going to pay for it. And there was all sorts of people on the news going, oh, "Well, it's disgraceful." They were turning their backs on it. You go. No, it cost 1.2 million. 1.2 million, which was hardly anything. Um... On the morning of the April the 17th service, Diane Abbott, rent, rent a quote, complained about the expense. She said, there is no precedent. It's a breach of protocol and it's going to cost £10 million. Stupid woman. St- £1.2 million, Diane. Will you be eating your humble pie today? Shall we deliver it to you? And then you could sit there and go, I was wrong. I was very, very wrong. The family made a, a contribution. Uh, Conor Burns, a Tory MP, a close friend of Baroness Thatcher, said she'd have been delighted that even in death she proved the left wrong. Yes. I wonder if we'll be seeing an apology by uh, Diane Abbott. I shouldn't think so. She never says sorry for anything does she? That was the one who complained bitterly about uh, about uh, sending your kids to fee-paying schools until her own son phoned LBC and said I go to a fee-paying school. Oh, she was eating humble pie like there was no tomorrow. It was it was hilarious. It was one of those great great moments where you think to yourself, "Oh, engage brain before opening mouth, Diane." We've had it before, haven't we? We've had it before. So, the sun today um, fo- do you know, football footballers change hands for amazing amounts of money amazing amounts of money there's one here, is it Bale he's pronounced or Bale or something, I don't know what he is 95 million Bale, Bale, right 95 million, and he's brought his mum in to help him move 95 million if only I'd done more football at school things could have been a lot different Unfortunately, you don't sort of earn money like that in, in radio. Well, I don't think anybody does. It would be nice to think that we did. And then there's a woman MP blasted Twitter last night for letting trolls get away with threatening to rape her. Sickos bombarded Labour's Stella Creasy... After she agreed it was right to put Jane Austen on the 10-pound... Well, of course it is. And once they've found these people, I want to see them hanging from the nearest tree, I'm afraid. I'm sick to death of these boring little trolls. They're generally people of limited intelligence. They're generally sort of people who aren't very pleasant. They generally smell, and they generally hide behind Twitter or Facebook or something like that. Or well, failing that, what's even funnier is that, uh, is that they sort of write, but they never put an address on it. You know, without realising that you only have to look at the spidery writing to realise that they're probably arthritic and, uh, and generally well past their sell-bys, which is always quite funny, as well as I'm concerned. You could spot them years ago. Before we had the internet, people used to write in, it be in green ink, you'd go, oh, look, Looney Tunes back again. And so uh, nowadays it's so funny when you actually get things like that because they never put an address on it because you know damn well you'd be round to the police station so blooming fast. Uh, Princess Beatrice uh, tanning with friends, not actually doing a day's work in her life. I don't think she's ever done a job, has she? It'd be nice to think you might manage something, but as I say, generally stems from the top of the family, doesn't it? Prince Charles uh, yesterday revealed he's given his new grandson's name his seal of approval, but warned he'll be called Georgie in no time. And uh, they went out to visit the Whitstable Oyster Festival. Oh, yucky yuck. Whitstable Oyster Festival. And uh, Camilla... Was persuaded to hold Punch and Judy. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. So they've got a picture of of Camilla. I mean, honestly, you can get it. She's as bad as Anthea Turner. Anthea, which I suppose with this chocolate bar, of course they will. Yes, of course they will. You know. And so you've got Camilla now with Punch and Judy. They'll make some joke about it, won't they? They will make some joke about it. <laughs> oh dear! Honestly, you couldn't make it up, could you? Um, here's um, the uh, what was it? Some was Duncan talking about. OK magazine. It was Nick Ferrari talking about the OK magazine feature, which was about um, uh, the Duchess of Cambridge losing that that tummy thing, wasn't it? Nick was talking about it, and uh, and I thought, and then they had Katie Hill. I thought, who's she? Katie Hill droning on about it. I thought, who is? She? And I suddenly realised, she's that ex Blue Peter presenter who ditched her old man to marry another bloke she worked on a show with, and then advertised toothpaste on the television, and now we're taking advice from Katie Hill. Oh, I was in for all mothers. I thought, God in heaven, go away, woman. Go away, please. Uh, here's more on the war medals. It's in the Express today. And they've got the parents with Simon's medals. And um, and then Caroline, a picture of her. No doubt that'll be a, a story in the Sunday papers. Oh, and by the way, uh, One Direction's Harry Styles has hit back at gossip. He's not bisexual. OK, he's not... I wasn't even aware anybody had ever mentioned the fact that he was bisexual. But he, he says here, I don't think... So I'm pretty sure I'm not. He also denied r- uh, rumours that he's in a relationship with somebody called Nick Grum, Grumbly, Grum, Grum, Sh- I don't know who it is, anyway. And he denied he was in a relationship with him, uh, asked whether he was dating. He said, we're not dating, no, we're just friends. I mean, honestly, it's, it's so funny now, isn't it? He's almost sort of denied it as if it was something horrible, something terrible. And he says, I don't want to be one of those people that complains about the rumours. I never like it when a celebrity goes on Twitter and says, this isn't true. I mean, to be honest with you, I I reckon there is somebody in One Direction who is either gay or bisexual. There's got to be. One in four is, and there's five of them. So come on, you know, by the law of averages, which one do we think it is? Well, we all know which one we think it is. But that's that's the fun thing about the internet. You, You can gently chide people as if there's something the matter with it. And I think, I think one of them has, has been on the receiving end, I think, from Stuff from the Wanted, where they've, they, they've written something and then somebody's written something back. We had it yesterday, do you remember, with Lucy Mecklenburg, otherwise known as that talentless one from The Only Way Is Essex, who spends most of her time crying and uh, <coughs> <excuse> me having <coughs> excuse me uh, relationships with people. She's been out with Mark Wright, she's been out with Mario, uh, now she's going out with somebody from The Wanted, and I think she's been out with a few other people. Not exactly backwards, but coming forward is our Lucy not exactly the most intelligent, and then she apparently gave an interview to a paper uh, where she was talking about who was best between the sheets. I mean, as if, as if anybody ever rates people. By the way, I'm a seven. And, uh, well, I've been an eight on occasions, but that was a long time ago. I was never a ten. Never a ten, strangely enough. I know some of you might think I could be, but I promise you I'm not. And uh, so she was saying it, and then the person she was, uh, was basically having a dig at was Mark Wright, you know, and I have, there's no love loss, you know, with me and Mark, right? I couldn't care less about it. I'm a talentless person, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, and so he then Twittered something, and she then Twittered back, going, uh, I never said that to them. And you think, well, the papers generally don't make mistakes. You know, if you're stupid enough to sell a story to a paper, you'd better record it at the same time, just to find out what they're, what they're going to be saying about you. And to be honest with you, Lucy, nobody cares about you, dear. You know, you're a, you're, you're a talentless has-been. You know, that your, your, your claim to fame is that you're a, you're a glamour model. Well, I haven't seen any pictures of you recently, either looking glamorous or modelling. We've seen you tottering about in the programme and sobbing your art out because your boyfriends cheat on you. But apart from that, that is your claim to fame. It's, it's not, not good enough. Uh, pope Francis. This is the latest Pope, isn't it? Pope. I don't want to get Popes wrong because I like all the Pope. Well, I like the one two back. I thought he was the one who looked like a proper pope. I don't think they look like popes nowadays. I like them to look sort of kindly and look a bit like sort of Father Christmases and that kind of thing. And the one two back was good. But he appears to have taken a softer line on homosexuality while reaffirming that the Roman Catholic Church is still opposed to gay marriage and sees homosexual acts as sinful. we well, you'd better start looking at Vatican City, then. Veritable fairyland, we're told. The pontiff said nobody should be discriminated against because of their sexual orientation. Well, that'll be useful for people, won't it? That'll be very useful, I should imagine, seeing as they seem to have most of the pair of people there. Uh, here's Denise Van Aouten. Oh, I'm so bored with Denise Van Houten. A- going out in a pair of shoes that doesn't even look good. We're so waiting for it to fall over. But uh, she didn't have any makeup on, so she can look particularly sort of, particularly sort of depressed about the whole thing. I don't. She looks forlorn. Does not it? Oh, but you think? But they, they they did say yes. I did get this right. That it was mutual. They've fallen out of love. So why would she be looking forlorn? Why is she not going? Well, thank God we put that behind us now. Whoopee! Come on, kick your heels up. No, we have to have the dreary Miss Van Outen who drones on about. I mean, I don't care. It's their relationship. They can't keep it together. It's their business got nothing to do with us, has it, really? And that's why you see the picture in the paper, you think, why don't you just say to the photographer, why don't you, off? But of course, that, that would kind of spoil it. I mean, she hasn't got any work in the theatre at the moment, as far as I know. She's got a radio programme, whether that's... Per- I don't know if that's permanent or anything. I don't know anything about that at all. I just think people who play their lives out in the media deserve everything they get... You know, and that's as that's as good as it gets. Nick says, uh, still out here in the States, not for too much longer, but long enough to avoid the sickening heat you're having to endure without the central air conditioning I'm basking in. He said, been listening to the shows on the podcast, and now my hosts are confirmed Steve Allen listeners. I hope the ratings keep soaring. Um, he said, what do producers do? <laughs> if only we knew. If only we knew. I have no idea no idea at all. But the air conditioning, uh, you're right. We've had it on yesterday, OK. A little bit of a wind, but uh, it needs it needs to drop. You know, both Rupert Bartir and I have decided we can't wait for winter.
0: LBC. This conversation with Steve Allen.
1: Morning, London is awake, London is 24 hours, London is delivering, London is bailiffs, London is people driving buses, people getting ready to drive tube trains, getting ready to drive their trains in and out the stations, and it's commuters all over the place. You would have thought with the kids on holiday the trains would be emptier, but they certainly don't seem to be like it. I hate it when somebody walks all the way down the carriage and comes and sits next to me. Ugh, hate things like that. Anyway, so here is the story, ladies and gentlemen of Sandra Woodruff. Sandra Woodruff is in many of the papers today because years ago, and let's make no bones about it, she she's a thief. She is a big Beatles fan. So the Beatles are appearing in um, Western Supermare and they're with Jerry and the Pacemakers and they're doing it. Anyway, she sneaks into their room and she, uh, she manages to bypass security because in those days, you know, the Beatles were big but it was probably quite easy to get through once they were actually on stage. So she and a pal, who were 16 at the time, she's 66, managed to get past the security and got into the band's room before the concert in 1963. She says, we were just giggling schoolgirls, but we got the opportunity to have a look inside their hotel room. There was a letter addressed to George and a record on the bed with John written on it. We weren't in the room very long, about five minutes, before the manager came in and said, I'm getting the police. We rushed out and grabbed the first thing we saw... My friend took a record cover and I got stuck into the pants in the wardrobe. So she she got a pair of pants and she got the label off the pants. And thinking about it, she said, I should have hidden under the bed. Anyway, they didn't. She spent two days outside the hotel before getting her souvenir card and other photographs signed by her idols. Now, they've said this could be worth £3,000. And what you've got to check, and I've done this over the years, so I'm, I'm fairly well versed in it, is that you have to check that the Beatles' signatures are genuine. She got them to sign the label, but she wasn't there. What she did, she gave it to somebody, they took it inside, then they bring it back out and they go, there you go. Which is how it happens. So if it's, if it's genuine, and they are genuine signatures, then it could be worth a lot more than £3,000. The trouble is, the Beatles all signed for each other. Everybody signed for everybody. So, if, uh, uh, Jolly, uh, I'll sign for John. So, they all wrote for each other. So, to actually get genuine signatures is actually, is actually quite rare. And that's why £3,000 would be way off the scale. You'd be looking at £7,000 if these were genuine. But the trouble is, the moment you give something in and it comes back, the, the problem is, and we used to have a, a girl called Poppy. Who used to come in from Fraser's autographs in the Strand in London, and they have all of them. And she could tell straight away if it was a genuine signature. And she would not poo-poo, but she was quite honest about the about you know unless she, did you actually see them signing it? She would say, and if the person said no, she said there's very little chance that they're all going to be genuine because they, the moment the concert finished, they were all off doing things, and it'd be left to two of them to sign. So they would just sign the thing. They went, oh, so sign, and then after a while. The Japanese invented auto pen, and the auto pen was an ink machine. It was a pen, automatic, hence auto pen, and it copied the signature. So, in other words, I, I could sign Steve Allen. The pen could copy that, and then you just literally put a piece of paper underneath it, and it's signed in ink. Whereas before, it was a, it was a pad that they pressed down, and the signature was there. And you go, look, it's 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 not even a proper signature. It's like a it's like a stamp that you get in the post office. But the auto pen changed that. And all of a sudden people had inks and they go, that's genuine." going, No, it's auto pen. And the experts can tell the difference between auto pen because it's the signature is perfect every time. And I don't know about you, but if you write your name three hundred times, which would be quite normal if you were the Beatles, quite normal. You know, by the time you've got to about hundred and twenty, your hand's running out. You know, it's very, very tiring. So that's why, you know, if this is if this is genuine, it could be worth a lot more than three thousand. But the trouble is because she wasn't there. When they actually did it, it might not be genuine. She might only have two signatures. And, of course, two signatures is not much cop, is it? It's not much cop at all. It's the, uh, it's, it's the all four that you need. But we used to have people coming in. We used to have David Lashmar from Beano's. We used to love valuing things for people. And people would obviously go through books, find a rare record, then phone up and go, I've got this. And we knew they were lying. Because he'd say, they haven't got it. He said, they should have just made it up of course, we used to find it immensely amusing. It's always quite funny, actually. It's like somebody wrote to me. Was it the other word? I can't remember. Somebody said somebody wrote to you, Steve. And uh, said, I can't stand your programme. I always turn it off the moment you start. But then, then proceeded to list, literally list everything I do on the programme. So quite clear, they're liars. But there again, they were ancient and a bit senile. Because I could tell by the scrawly handwriting, poor souls. Uh, I had the misfortune, says John, to tune in to the dire Julia Bradbury quiz. Oh, no. Actually, I watched her this morning. She was doing, um... A road trip throughout South Africa. And it was actually very interesting. It's amazing. Parts of South Africa are so barren and so so amazing. Just really so amazing. So I was, I was quite tempted. Quite tempted. Anyway, um, the quiz, you're quite right, is absolutely dire. Uh, women don't do quizzes. I state that as a fact because we don't have any successful uh, female presenters of quizzes on the television. The only, the only one who would be near it would be Anne Robinson. The rest of them dire. It just, it doesn't work. It has to be a male-dominated thing. Go to America. Look at all of them over there. It's all men. All men, and there's a reason for it. So, unfortunately, Julia Bradbury, lovely though she is, the quiz is dire. Absolutely awful. Awful. Uh, Andy says, I've got my parents' furniture. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Tesco stores and Tesco home delivery drivers are on zero-hour contracts. It's funny, actually, but I've, I've never heard of this before. Now everybody's started talking about it. I'm now well aware of what it is. Uh, 84850. Uh, Dan says, the idea of Costco is you're supposed to buy in bulk, so you don't need to go every week, or are you getting paid to mention them? Oh, God, you've sussed me out. <gasps> oh, you're so intelligent, aren't you? Oh, my goodness me. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, oh never mind. <laughs> oh, Costco. Uh, yeah, I, went, I go all the time. All the time, actually. I should be buying Christmas stuff very, very shortly. Um, 88 million, says Shahid. That's a lot of Vita Cocoa cartons. Actually, I, I, I did drink one this morning, actually. I didn't... For the first time ever, I woke up and I didn't have a cup of coffee. And do you know, I felt completely different coming into work. Completely different coming into work. Normally, I have a cup of coffee to wake me up Starbucks. And I buy the little... Um, little... Cart, not little sachet things. You just pour it in its ground coffee, and it's quite nice. So I have one of those with a little bit of milk. And this morning I didn't. I had the, I had the coconut water, and I, I felt completely different. I had some some water as well, but I had the coconut water. Did did my medication. Took took my tablets and um, and sat at the back in the cart, feeling not the same as I do normally. So obviously I've become addicted to coffee, and I don't know how. I've spoken to people before who've had who get through a lot of coffee in the course of the day. I mean, I probably do one, two, three... I don't even think I had a cup of coffee yesterday. I didn't have a cup of coffee. Normally, I, w- I would go back and I would have a cup of coffee. I will have one this morning. I'll have one this morning from downstairs. Um, and and I probably might have one when I get back home later, but that'll be about it. Two cups of coffee in the day. But is it possible, I wonder, to get totally addicted to coffee so that your life changes when you come off it? Is it I mean, I'm not getting withdrawal symptoms or anything like that. I'm just thinking... Perhaps I should cut down on coffee. Tea. I mean, I'm I'm on my second cup of tea this morning. Is that good or bad? I think tea's okay, isn't it? I think tea's okay. If you if you eat a you know if you drink a lot of nice tea. I mean, if you, if you drink sort of probably uh, you know sort of builder's tea, as I call it, that Yorkshire tea. Yorkshire. The trouble is, I I look at those Yorkshire tea bags, and we do have them in the building. I just couldn't drink it. I always feel you can stand a spoon up in in a cup of tea like that. I know some people like like you know a real proper strong cup of tea, but I like it looking fairly emaciated. I'm afraid I like sort of pale, insipid looking tea. In fact, sometimes I thought, no, can you maybe take the bag out, please? Hurricane Flossie is on the way across the pond. Looks like it's a down came the rain. What later in the week do you think? Oh, I hope it, it rained yesterday, and I liked it. And I was very happy with that. I could could do... I'm Seriously, Rupert and I, this morning, we were both in total agreement. We cannot wait for the snow and the temperature to plummet to 11 degrees. That's what we're waiting for. Everybody else is going, ah, shut up. Enjoy the weather while it's... No, not me. Not me. I want the rain back again, I'm afraid. I liked the idea that I took my umbrella out of the car yesterday. And then when it did come down at about half past 10, 11 o'clock, something like that, it chucked it down. It was like a monsoon. People, isn't it funny? You stand in the shower, you get soaking wet. The moment you go outside, a bit of rain. Run, run! Everybody hides in doorways. People are throwing themselves into the bank. They're hiding under things, and all of a sudden, oh no, we're going to get drenched. I love it. I love it. I stood there looking at, it, thinking, if I had the presence of mind, I'd go and stand outside and and enjoy the uh, the rain. But I thought, no, you just look a bit stupid, don't you? you look a bit stupid when you uh, when you go and do things like that. Uh, Sunday lunch, apparently. Uh, pe- people tell me it's a minefield doing Sunday lunch because it's dangerous because you've got hot spitting fat, boiling water. I remember my mother taking the roast potatoes out of the oven, pss, spitting about all over the place, but did the best roast potatoes. I only do crispy roast potatoes. I can't bear anything. If you go into some of these places where they do a, uh, a Sunday brunch thing and they do the, the roast potatoes, are rubbish, rubbish. They've got to be small and crispy. And to be small and crispy, they've got to be parboiled. And then you take them out, and then you dry them off, and then you put them in the hot fat. And then you baste them, and you keep them in there till they go crispy. I wouldn't have it. My mother used to do the best crispy roast potatoes ever. Anything that doesn't come out as crispy, i will sit there, Ooh, I'm not very happy with this. It's like roast beef. And you're... Oh, Yorkshire puddings. could you just eat a Yorkshire pudding now? <gasps> I could kill for a Yorkshire pudding. I would pay good money for a Yorkshire pudding. But they don't serve it in cafes around it. No, bacon, sausages... Very dull and very uninteresting. Actually, talking of uninteresting, I got back to the station yesterday and bought a sausage roll. Never again. Never again. I really keep meaning to have them analysed. I know. I said it last time, but I'm, I'm sort of strangely drawn to it. As I walk past, my body sort of slowly moves to the left. And I bought this thing, and the woman said it was a voucher. You can get it for a pound next time. It's £2.75 for this piece of rubbish. I don't think it's ever seen sausage meat. I think it was all filling. But interestingly enough, it was um, Campo Campogino. On the television the other day, you know, the one who talked like the Icadis, but he's born in the country, and you know, and, and he still hasn't mastered the English language. And he was saying, when you buy sausages, look at the meat content. Because some sausages, we, we discovered this the other week, I think one of them, was it the Richmond sausages, lovely on the television, it's like 38% meat. The rest of it is just made up with filler and God knows what else. So what you need to do, I'm now buying sausages 97% meat. You must check whatever sausages you buy, check what's in them, because the rubbish that they put in these things nowadays. And you don't want to be sort of putting the wrong things into your body, do you? you want to be eating nice sausages. That's why I, I like 97% meat sausages. But the Richmond ones, I was very disappointed, and they had a strange pink colour. A little bit sort of phosphorescent, I think. Anyway, we've just woken up. News at 5. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast.
0: On FM. A session with Steve Allen.
1: Morning! At the moment, I'm getting a little bit uh, slightly perturbed by an advert on the television which shows former newsreader Martin Lewis advertising a washing machine thing. Have you seen that one? He's a newsreader, Martin Lewis, and also he's advertising this thing you put in your washing machine to make it, you know, washing machines go further. With that one, and it's, it's a bit of an irritation, I'm afraid. I mean, it's it's just, garth- he's doing it as if it's a news item. Really terrible. Anyway, here is the story of The Caravan. Here is the lovely couple. This is Mike and Kath. Mike and Kath at a caravan on a site. And uh, they sank £30,000 into this caravan. And they've got... Uh, that's £20,000 for the caravan, £10,000 for the kit they put in the satellite television. Anyway, as with happens in a lot of times, and to be honest with you, I don't know who in earth in their right mind would want to go and nick a caravan, but theirs was stolen. Surprising, that, isn't it, really? And uh, anyway, that was about a year and a half ago. Well, the police have found it. That's good, isn't it? We're very pleased about that. So Mike and Kath were told by the police, we've found your caravan. Unfortunately, there's a traveller family living in it. And they can't move them because it would be against their human rights. So in other words, these thieving travellers have got this couple's caravan. It's not theirs. You know, it's been thieved and the police want it back, but they, the police are powerless. They can't do anything. And in fact, Mike and Kath can't do anything. So they get a, a letter from the police saying that we've been speaking with our forces solicitor to seek advice on the powers that we have as a police force in relation to this, but unfortunately it's transpired that we have no lawful power to recover the caravan. It will be the responsibility of you as the owner to start civil proceedings against the current occupiers. So, in other words, if a traveller comes round and robs you blind, you can't do anything about it because the police are too scared. They won't come and do anything. So they've got to sit while somebody else lives in their caravan... I mean, she'd want to go round and just take it, wouldn't you, Really, but these people who live in it are probably quite violent, and uh, the police aren't in a in a position to comment any further. What's the point of having the police force if, when you've seen something, and so they've made efforts to find it and they found it, but they can't do anything about it? It seems a bit of a point. Why didn't you just say to them in the first place? Listen, if if travellers have nicked it, we're not going to do anything about it. I mean, it, they are absolutely destroyed. That was their their second home. This Bailey, Louisiana caravan, it probably means something to people listening who are into caravans. Apparently it's thought to be in Hook, in Hance, seven miles from the Taplins farm in Church, Crookham, aptly named, where it was swiped. But uh, she said, the police won't even tell us where the caravan is. But they've written to them saying, it's, it's up to you now, you have to take it out. So, well, why Under what powers can the police not do something? So in other words, the, the, the producer steals something from me. And I know she's stolen it. And so I go to the police and they go, well, we can't. You know, we, you, you're not going to get your high heels back because she's wearing them now. And if we take them away, because the, the, the police said to them, sorry, if, if we take the caravan away, the local council will have to rehome them. Rehome travellers? What are you talking about? What are they talking about down there? It's ridiculous. So they've got no lawful power to go onto this site to take their caravan back. I don't quite understand that. I thought the whole idea of the law of the land was if somebody pinches your property and you know where it is and the police know where it is, well, then it's their bound on duty to reunite the owner with their property. I couldn't care less who's got it. It could be Pinky and Perky. Donald Duck, I don't care. I want it back. It's as simple as that. So, anyway, it's uh, it's a bit different. It could breach their human rights. She said, we're devastated. That's all we had. That was their little retirement thing. And somebody else has thieved it and got it now. Dreadful, isn't it, really? The that the law is such an ass in this country, isn't it? It really is. It just sort of... Sometimes you just sort of hold your hands up and go, you know, we might as well just give up and go home now, mustn't we? Uh, here's uh, poor old Kim Marsh, as predicted on this programme yesterday. I hate to say I was right, I was right. But I did say the marriage was on the rocks. They're living apart separately. So, so now they say she's unlucky in love. No, nope, she's fiercely ambitious. Uh, if you remember, she's been engaged four times, married once... This is the second marriage. It only lasted 11 months and already she's bored because she's been out on the town. She's getting on. She's a bit long in the tooth now. And uh, she started going out on the town. She's st- i mean, she's 37. I think at 37 if you've got two kids and you've got a husband at home. You stay at home. You stay at home and you look after the kids. That's what you're supposed to be doing. You're not gallivanting around. You know, you're not a star. You're just somebody who got dead lucky. You weren't honest with hearsay. Hearsay finished. Very, very average. Brought out a very interesting book, actually, talking about her sort of a sort of meteoric rise. I remember when she got engaged um, and she met EastEnders' Jack Ryder. They married 15 months later. He was very loved up. I remember that, you know, he was... And then, of course, he got dumped. He was big star. He was big heartthrob in EastEnders. When he, when he turned up with her at an awards ceremony, people were going, oh, what a shame. They were, they were sort of hoping he was going to be single for the rest of his life. And uh, I suspect that she's enjoying going out on the town. And she's enjoying, you know, that little bit of, oh, look, people are taking your photograph. And that becomes, as I said earlier on, a little bit addictive, which is, which is a great shame, I'm afraid. Great shame, because you'd think that she'd want to sort of try and settle down. It's a bit like Jordan, isn't it, with all her sort of, you know, marriages, which appear to be sort of, you know, some work, some don't work. Most of them didn't work, unfortunately. Uh, Helen Flanagan, out with the photographer again. Apparently, she's still leaving the house, which she shared with Scott Sinclair, who still sounds like a drag queen from Manchester. And she's leaving with a giant teddy. It's almost like somebody said, oh, can you hold that giant teddy for us, make it look a bit bit more interesting? And the answer is no. Um, (laughs) Bobby Davro, still doing impressions of uh, Sir Paul McCartney on Your Face Sounds Familiar, including Jimmy Cranky. And apparently they've set in our very own Gordon Smart. Don't tell me he's doing it as well. Good Lord, honestly. The amount of people who jump in on television programmes now I find quite disturbing, I'm afraid. But they never find the right people, do they? They never find the right people. There's a new programme coming up and they go, and celebrities, blah, 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 blah. And then you look at it and think, oh, they're not celebrities. It's like, it's like Vernon Kay. They go, oh, it's celebrity, whatever it is. And you look at these people you think, they're not a celebrity. It'll be somebody who's just run a race in the Olympics. And apparently then they're a celebrity. Ridiculous. Like you, says Paul in Manchesterford. I was looking forward to the return of To The Man Born and was so disappointed. I don't think it was the writing so much as the fact that by then two of the main characters uh, had in real life passed away. Daphne Hurd, who played Mrs uh, Pulitska, had died in 1983. As had John Rudling, who played uh, Brabinger, the butler. It does seem that the BBC are the worst offenders when it comes to resurrecting shows which were of their time and should have been left in memory. Remember in Sickness and in Health, when uh, by then a seriously ill dandy Nichols was literally wheeled in to reprise her role of Alf Garnett's long-suffering wife, Else. Or worse still, the return of the liverbirds. We keep being told it's our BBC, so why don't they take any notice uh, notice Psychic Steve struck again with both celeb couples, but you still have managed to give me the lottery numbers. I'm working on the lottery numbers, but I'm, I'm not that gifted. But I, I can tell you celebrity relationships that are on the rocks. Every time you read in the paper, um, we're not on the rocks, we, we're just going through a bit of a difficult period, it's going to finish, OK? That's, that's celebrity speak for, we can't manage to keep our marriage together. And they blame it on all sorts of things. In the case of uh, Denise Van Outen, she blamed it on work commitments, how do they think the rest of the country and the rest of the world get on? So all you people in happy marriages—you obviously aren't working because it's so difficult with work commitments. Denise Van out and just can't cope with it. I don't know how she's coping with anything at all in life. Life must be very just even getting up in the morning and going outside must be quite traumatic for her. But it's quite ridiculous, isn't it, when they they, they blame just about everything apart from themselves. It's got nothing to do with work commitments. It's the fact that you were on holiday all the time. And if you want to make something work, you work at it. It's pathetic now. It's like it's like sort of that dreadful old um, atomic kitten thing. What's her name? I keep forgetting her names now. The one who's just declared herself bankrupt, Carrie Katona. You know, declared herself bankrupt twice. Does she care? No, she sticks two fingers up to you. It's only peasants like you that want to sort of pay tax or anything else. Why should she be bothered about it? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, one from uh, Maria who says, I hate the heat. I can't wait like you for the cold weather. Oh, can't wait. I can't wait to walk in here with an overcoat on and then take it off. I cannot I seriously I'm, I know it makes me sound a bit mealy now but to be honest with you I'm bored witless with this hot weather and everything else. Uh, Dave says what do you think of my hanging basket? I've got no idea. Um because uh we haven't you haven't got sent a picture so if you don't if you don't send an attachment perhaps you don't know how to send them I don't know but nothing's beaten mine. Nothing's beaten my hanging baskets this year. They're, they're pretty close at Sandy's, the fish shop. Pretty close, but mine are enormous, absolutely enormous. I've got four, which I've which I've tweeted on the uh, on on the the patio, and they even Mr. Vasino said to me yesterday. He said are, are they? I said, yeah, they're mine as well. So good, very good. I was really pleased actually. I was really pleased. They've, they've come out quite well. It's the picking up the dead heads which I'm not uh, not over keen on. I'm afraid. Uh, shock a heart. There's a shocked bum who went to her GP with a tummy ache. How do these people work? I don't know. She goes to the doctor with a tummy ache. Fifteen hours later, she gives birth. Well, didn't she know? This will be like Peter Andre, won't it? And, uh, and M's, who's very camera shy. And... Uh, toss, 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 toss. Toss, toss. And uh, here she is. I wonder how long that, that marriage will last. If indeed they're even getting married. Because I would like to think that as she's pregnant that uh, Peter might be doing the decent thing. I bet her parents, as I said yesterday, must be so thrilled. Oh, look, there's our pregnant daughter. We were hoping for so many things for her, like being a doctor, but she's taken up with a third-rate has-been pop star. And uh, no mention of marriage at the moment, because that's the only thing that's going to save it. You'd better get married quickly, Pete. You don't want her to give birth and still not married. You know, that would be, that would be wrong, wouldn't it? Uh, Everybody speculating on the gang behind the Jules heist. £90 million. I suppose there must be people who are quite clever. Generally, though, speaking, is it not uh, the majority of um, robberies are from within? It's, it's feeding on information from within. so that they know. I mean, I don't believe you can just walk into a jeweller with a gun, hold it up and walk out with, with that many... with that many jewels. I mean, £90 million. They keep upping it all the time. It was £88 million. I'll oh, shove it up to 90 You know, you probably find it was three and sixpence. It makes no difference. Uh, dramatic rise in antidepressants. Prozac. We are a Prozac nation because people get depressed and so consequently uh we're hooked on happy pills well i thought a lot of doctors had stopped prescribing prozac they don't want people to get too addicted to it the mental health charity mind want more therapy instead of a reliance on tablets absolutely so easy just to hand somebody tablets which is what they did before you know have some tablets want to lose some weight have some tablets Want to lose more weight? Take more tablets. Want to lose really more weight? Take water tablets. You know, and so the thing went on. I mean, I can remember the time you could buy practically over-the-counter Tenuate Dospan, which people used as an appetite suppressant, and uh, they lost weight. And then... Over-wealthy celebrities discovered the delights of cocaine, and so they took cocaine. I remember there was a picture of a model in a paper once, and she looked perfectly normal to me, but she got sent away by the agents who said, you're way too fat, you've got to lose weight. They're supposed to be emaciated, these poor people. must be. Perhaps they don't eat anything. I feel so sorry for people like Victoria Beckham. They eat more, eat more. I mean, secretly inside, you know, your skin is just waiting to expand. But so far it hasn't. Quarter past five. Headlines with Eleanor Noakes. An MP claims cybercrime.
0: Biggest conversation with Steve
1: Allen. It certainly is. Nice of your company. I trust you well. 19 minutes past five, you're on your holiday. The one thing I've noticed, have you noticed everywhere, and I've only noticed it within about the past week or so, is people trundling along the, the, uh, the pavements on a Sunday with their suitcases. I keep wondering where they are, and I keep thinking, where are they, are they going on holiday now? No, it turns out that they've obviously had an overnight stay in London, and they're kicked out of the hotel early, so they've got to trundle around London, waiting for the coach home, wherever they come from, uh, with their suitcases. So you see people walking through Covent Garden, dragging their suitcases behind them. On the other hand, you do see people who are going on their holiday. You're probably up at the moment. You've probably started packing, getting all excited. Yeah, going on holiday. And uh, doing nice things and um, just going away. Bit of break, bit of sunshine. Just when we've got the bloomin' heatwave here, everybody goes abroad for it. But I suppose people could. Former Premier League uh, striker Christian Benitez has died at 27 uh, following a match. The ex-Birmingham ace uh, Benitez was rushed to hospital with severe stomach pains after his debut for uh, a Qatar team. The Ecuador star signed for £10 million just three weeks ago, died a few hours later. has surrounded his death. 27, it's a bit worrying, isn't it? These people are supposed to be super fit. Uh, they suggested he had appendicitis, which caused peritonitis, which is inflammation of the stomach lining, and led to the tragedy on Sunday. I mean, it's, it's absolutely awful, isn't it, really? His father-in-law speaking from Ecuador, said they called me at 3am to tell me they'd taken him to hospital due to stomach pains. When he arrived, he was not seen very quickly. By the time he was admitted, he was no longer responding. And, um, and that's it. And then he died at the age of 27. So hopefully they will, uh, hopefully they will, they will find out exactly what it is. Because 27 is absolutely nothing, is it, in this day and age? Absolutely nothing. I was delighted to report yesterday, or to hear on LBC, that they, uh, they reckon that they've all but cured testicular cancer. You know, that there is a cure for testicular cancer, because that's one of the biggest killers for men. (coughs) Excuse me, that and uh, and prostate. It's the only thing men don't bother checking. Women are very good at checking for breast cancer and go for screenings and stuff like that. Men do nothing. Men do nothing at all. Absolutely blooming useless. Because you don't like to, do you? You don't like to go to the doctors and ask them about sort of anything that, as far as I'm concerned, anything below the chin. Uh, My son is on his way home for Texas, and uh, he texted me the other day asking if it was cold here. I said, I'm dying of heat stroke, and he texted back, well, I need my coat. Quite quite clearly not, but I like the idea that uh, I can't wait to get my winter coat out. I've got no problems at all, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, the TV ad, which I'm surprised has not been complained about, is the one that shows three Scotsmen lifting their kilts and flashing to a coach full of women. Oh, I quite thought I thought that was quite funny, actually. I didn't say, why would anybody complain about that? and they're not, You're not saying anything. It's only a bit of a joke, isn't it? A little bit, you know, A little bit of fun or something like that. Uh so I don't I don't actually see that as a, as an ad to complain about. I don't think there's any ads to complain about on the television. I can't think of anything off the off the top of my head. Uh Steve, you can get addicted to coffee and tea. I drink strong builders' tea. Last time I looked down at my chest I put a couple of hairs on it. So there you go. Uh in this part of the world, apart from regular sausages, says Ian, the classic is square sausage. More meat, about three inches square and thick. Just the, just the right size for the morning roll. I suppose it's like um, a sausage meat burger, isn't it? A similar kind of thing. But I, I, do, I do question, you know, whether or not there's any, any meat in these things. I was, when I was looking at my sausage roll yesterday, I was looking at it thinking, I wonder what this is in here. I should have actually asked them, but I don't think they know. Uh, sausages, says Richard. I use my grill to cook sausages. Fantastic. And uh, all the fat runs off because the grill... Because they came up with this grill, didn't they, for George Foreman? Uh, at an angle, so the fat runs off. It's, I mean, it's quite simple. There's nothing complicated about it. But he says, I slice sausages open. You know, I, I cut them in half down the... Oh, really? I can't bear that. If I'm going to have a sausage in a roll, then I'll get a little bridge roll and put a sausage in it, chipolata or something like that. Pauline Guildford says, I saw a great programme called Waiting for God. It's about a lot of old people in nursing and It's about 500 years old, that one, I'm afraid. And... um uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you some info on diabetes, says Jan. Everybody's gone diabetes mad, haven't we, at the moment? We're all talking about diabetes and how it affects people and how you cope in the hot weather, because it seems to affect some people different from other people. And then there's other people who are saying, oh, I don't function at all well, and, you know, I'm not a very good diabetic. But now you've got another a famous person coming out talking about their diabetes, hopefully. might make people more aware, and if you think you could be, go and get checked. It's not complicated. Well, failing that, well, if you know somebody at work who's a diabetic, ask if you can have a go at their little blood sugar meter. Most people will let you have a go of it. You know, they'll explain how you do it. It's fairly simple. You just get a little thing and you sort of push some blood out of your finger and you put it on the little slides, being very careful just the blood touches it, and it'll tell you what the reading is. You're looking for about a 5.6. If you're up to about a 10, you're diabetic. So uh, find something. Or oh, fill that, just go to the doctor. You could do a simple urine test now, which Nick explained uh, yesterday on the programme. Actually, Nick and the team will be back with you at 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, Barbara Want is looking at the papers today. I think she's been in before, Barbara. I'm pretty certain she has. She's the journalist and author of Baby Secrets, How to Know Your Baby's Needs. Oh dear. I'm sure about that. And uh, they're trying to find the top children's TV show. So I suppose over the years, and depending on what age you are, you will recognise some of these shows here. They're not in any particular order. Things like Wallace and Gromit. Was that a TV show, or is that just a... That, I suppose it must have been. Tis Was was very good, with a phantom flan flinger. Um, Thunderbirds, Teletubbies, The Story of Tracy Beaker. I never understood Tracy Beaker. People just rave about Tracy Beaker, never for me. The Sarah Jane Adventures, Record Breakers. Very good indeed, we like that. Uh, PlaySchool, Peppa Pig. Multicoloured Swap Shop. Now, that was a good programme. That was quite good. I like that. Mr. Ben, never bothered. Magic Roundabout, we always thought was quite uh, quite good fun. Jack and Anori, I thought was, was, was good as well. Uh, Jim will fix it, says Warren. Yes, that was the only one that we didn't put on the list, I'm afraid, today. The only one. Isn't that odd? Isn't that odd? When you look back at that programme. In fact, I had a producer who went on there. She was desperate to meet some group. And, of course, if you wrote in, there was a very good chance that you could get to meet your group and uh, and they, they would sing your your song of the day. But I can't remember, Was it filmed live? I don't think it was, actually. Uh, Horrible Histories. Very popular. Very popular. They do a live version of that as well. Uh, bagpuss, says Warren. He likes uh, Bagpuss. See, I never got into that. I just thought it looked a bit dated, I'm afraid. In the Night Garden, they do a touring version of that. We just recently had it in... In Richmond, Clangers. <laughs> I think that was Clangers. I can't whistle this morning. Uh, Bob the Builder, Blue Peter. Yes, in the early days, Blue Peter was untouchable. Strangely enough, nobody's mentioned Magpie. Magpie doesn't feature on this list. I suppose because it was a, it was, it was a sort of a, a slightly more up, more upmarket version. Was it more upmarket or more street cred of Blue Peter? You know, because you had Tommy Boyd and. And very remember Everybody else was on the blooming thing, actually. Mick Robertson. I can't remember. Jenny Hanley was the woman, wasn't she? I think. And that was done at Teddington. And that was that was fairly that was fairly good for its for its time. But Blue Peter, I'm afraid, had the uh, had the audience as far well as I was concerned. Unfortunately, not anymore. Uh, Bill and Ben, the Flowerpot Men. Bill and Ben, Bill and Ben, Flowerpot Men. Many they they've tried to resurrect as uh, as children's programmes go because they don't have anything else, do they? They don't have anything else to do on television now, and I think now that we've discovered that they have cut back on children's programming, what was the one with Mole? Was that... Well, there was Tales of the Riverbank, which was very good, which used real animals in, in little scenarios. That was quite nice. And Mole, I'm assuming that was Ratty and Mole, was it? Was that... Was that that one? I can't remember, actually, now. Was that with Toad of Toad Hall? All of these programmes, they were sort of... They were about such a long time ago. And then there were... there was. Was it Mork? Morph? The Plasticine Man. I quite like Mork and Mindy, but that was an adult kind of programme, wasn't it, with Robin Williams? Morph. Was that the Plasticine thing? Where this sort of. He didn't actually speak, did it? he? He was. That's right, he was on, yes, with, with Johnny Hart. Not Johnny Hart, he was on with that Heart bloke where he did drawings and everything else. I quite like that. I couldn't draw for Toffee, but I enjoyed those sort of programmes because you could always watch them and pretend that you could draw. But unfortunately not, I'm afraid. Not, I'm afraid, in, in my case. Griffith um, Jones says a shared sense of humour was all he had in common with um, tragic comedy partner Mel Smith. But he said it had been sheer bliss to perform with him, who died last week from a heart attack, aged 60. It's no age at all, is it? No age at all. Everybody you spoke to about Mel Smith said he was really good fun. He was a really nice person. I spoke to a friend of mine whose friend knows him very well and uh, said he was always good fun. a very generous sort of person, but he ended up with loads of money because they sold, I think, Talkback Productions. Him and Griff, I think, had this this company, and they sold it for millions, millions, squillions and millions of pounds, and uh, went very happy. But everybody had nice things to say about him. Oh, dear. Tramp stamps. Uh, We won't do that again. The women who say getting inked was a mistake because a lot of people get these tattoos, and they go, oh, I don't know. I don't think I want it anymore. So they've they've gone out and found these women. Some have them on their... um, on their arms, uh, some have them on their backs. Um, I don't really know why people have it. I don't quite understand why you would have your name tattooed above your bottom. I don't, I don't quite see the the point of that. But there you go. Okay, so I suppose you forget who you are when you're looking in a mirror. And they've all said we won't do it again. Uh, one woman says I now wear long sleeve dresses to hide my tattoo, and the woman who's got it on her back says I can't wait to to take it off. She comes from Rotherham. And she says, as a teenager, I really wanted a tattoo. And then I got one, and then I decided maybe it wasn't the uh, the best thing. And um, the finished tattoo didn't look quite how I'd expected, but I was reasonably pleased with it. I always wanted a tattoo, but I knew damn well that if I actually sort of went down the route of having it done, the moment I'd had it done, I would probably regret it. I would think I'd probably regret it. So they've got uh, four ladies in the paper today, each of uh, whom has said, no. Uh, We don't like our tattoos, and we can't wait to have them removed. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose there's loads of people listening going, I love my tattoos, I love it. I'm delighted to say they've done a big feature in the Express today on uh, Anita Harris, who lost uh, all her money, but at the age of 72, she's back treading the boards again. Bit like me, isn't it? It's LBC 97.3, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast time now, 5.30.
0: With Steve Allen...
1: Nick Ferrari and the team with you after seven o'clock this morning. Nick will be asking how does the 111 fiasco rate against the other, other government scandals of recent years? Plus, as new guidelines into support for ADHD are released, Nick will be talking to an expert who believes in 80% of cases the condition is misdiagnosed. And should children spend their summer holidays being tutored to keep their brains sharp? Oh, children everywhere going, you must be joking. Everybody hates school, don't they? I don't know why we hate it. It's, to be honest with you, it's it's going to be the saving grace for for many people. Uh, the worst case of fly tipping they found today, and uh, this one here was uh, dumped in East Horsley, and it very strange actually. It's a thirty-eight foot. This is fly tipping. Thirty-eight feet by thirteen foot two-bedroom prefab home was blocking this road. Uh, the building had a sold sign in the front window. And um, the the house was harder to shift because the tow bar had snapped and the wheels under the mobile home were punctured and buckled. Because in fact, really, the uh, the little wheels on there they don't you can't actually tow it with anything at all. I mean, it's quite ridiculous, quite ridiculous. Um, sorry, police have confirmed they're continuing to investigate. Well, I wonder who'll be who be having something like that, ladies and gentlemen, and then just dumped it on a road. I like the idea that your handwriting says something about you because nobody handwrites, do they anymore? Nobody um, nobody bothers with it. Because everybody types. You either text somebody or you email them. But nobody, nobody, hardly anybody, ever writes letters anymore. So I'm, I'd be delighted if I find people this morning who actually write, uh, write letters. It would be nice to think that people do. And um, There's probably some people who still have pens and things like that. Good Lord. And how we love to talk about the weather in this country. Everybody comes in for a brawl. When we talk about the Brits, we talk about the weather. We talk about the weather. Nobody wants to hear about politics. You start talking about politics at dinner and people go, oh, no, let's talk about the weather instead. Oh, it's been hot. That's all people do, isn't it? We talk about the... We complain about the weather. I complain bitterly about the weather, especially as this has been the hottest summer I can ever remember. I don't want to see it ever again. I just want now the, the cold weather to come back, please. Uh, more on the EastEnders' boss, who has uh, quit, Lorraine Newman. Well, she hasn't really. She started as a secretary on the soap, and for some reason I think she could be the boss of it. Quite clearly hasn't got the faintest idea. And so they've shoved her on somewhere else on the BBC. So she's obviously a, a staff person. I mean, to be honest, it's now got so bad that on Tuesday, EastEnders pulled in 4.8 million, Emmerdale, 5.4 million. But what consistently gets the prizes? EastEnders. Because there's nothing the matter with the acting. The acting's fine, and people like the characters. It's just the storylines are so rubbish. I mean, they really are absolute rubbish. I mean, Emmerdale is streets ahead. When it comes to the story, I mean they're really good at Emmerdale. I really like them over at Emmerdale. I just feel so sorry that they would turn up to all the award ceremonies, and it would either be Coronation Street, or it would be you know a disaster. It's always a disaster, isn't it? Best Best Explosion, Coronation Street. And yet I do remember that at one point they, they sort of wiped out loads of people in Emmerdale, or well, perhaps it was another series. But I mean I just wish that they would they would get the recognition at Emmerdale that they they do deserve. Because they do work hard at it, it's a nice little, nice little thing to go. But EastEnders does particularly well. So what they've done, because the the ratings have plunged, and it is really up to the producer to try and make sure that the thing works properly. Um, I don't know where they go from here. So it's uh, they say uh, Treadwell Collins, who left to work at uh, another production company, says, "I'm excited about the challenge of taking the helm of Britain's greatest drama. It's an honour to follow somebody as talented as experienced as Lorraine Newman." Well, quite clearly not. That's why they've shoved her off it, because she isn't talented or experienced. And they I mean, she might have been responsible for some of the most memorable moments, but to be honest with you, that's why she's moving. The ratings are plump. Get rid. Go to the top. Whoosh. Out you go. And they have to say that, don't they? Have you ever heard of somebody called Treadwell Collins? I mean, it was beggar's belief, doesn't it, in the day and age? I think we'll call the boy Treadwell. Sounds fantastic. Um, so somebody says on Digital Spy... Uh, great news, maybe we'll get the old EastEnders back murder, mayhem and affairs but if they can't even pull up you know, against Emmerdale, that's really really bad, Uh, Lorraine chose to leave but there aren't many complaining Uh, so, well I mean I don't know, I've never worked under so I've got no idea but uh, I should imagine, but I mean if if it isn't doing well then you you know, you have to sort of change things so quite clearly she went before she was going to be pushed and so it looks a bit better, so she's quit I mean, she's been there a short while, hasn't she? I mean, days after the, uh, you know, these dull sto- They are dull storylines. I suppose the, the Phil, Phil Mitchell story will do particularly well. But again, you know, you, you can't just have them every so often. You've got to have them all the time. Rain, rain, rain today. Bring your umbrella. Take your umbrella. Make sure you've got one in the car. Or if you've got a little, I've got a little portable. I only put it in as a last moment. I thought to myself, what if it's going to rain today? And it is. Sunny spells and isolated showers moving in from the west this afternoon. That's oh, good. We're giving it to you. Highest temperature today. Oh, please, God, it's true. 20 degrees. Oh, it's getting colder. I'm Loving it, loving it, loving it. Ooh, my feet have gone chilly. Currently 16 degrees tonight. Early showers quickly will die out, leaving a dry start to the night. Cloudy with some light rain later on. Minimum 16 centigrade tomorrow. Overcast start with some outbreaks of light rain. Rain becoming locally heavy before clearing northwards. Warmer conditions. Tomorrow it'll be about 24 degrees centigrade. And uh, Thursday, sunny, hot or very hot. Friday, perhaps isolated thunderstorms. Oh, good grief. Generally, very warm. Dry, sunny spells, Saturday overnight, thunderstorms clearing, fresher with sunshine and isolated showers. I don't mind the isolated showers. I thought it was hilarious yesterday when it, the heavens just opened. And we got that uh, that absolute drenching, which was uh, which was wonderful. Uh, 84850 stevedlbc.co.uk. And uh, we'll try and weave as many in as possible. Uh, Vision On, says Arthur. We're looking at uh, top children's programmes. Vision On was... And I can remember the woman who signed for it. Uh, because they used to do a bit in the gallery and she would talk about the pictures. Animal Magic, which I think was Johnny Morris. And Follyfoot was the story about a girl and a horse. Oh, no, that was Lightning Tree. Oh, perhaps Follyfoot. No, Follyfoot was a horse, wasn't it? I believe. Was it Follyfoot Farm? I think so. I remember. The, I remember the Lightning Tree... Because I went down in the meadow where the wind blows free, the wind blows free and the lightning tree. Go, go, the lightning tree. That's about as much as I remember, which is probably more than I care to remember at the moment. Uh, Johnny Morris was Animal Magic. Richard, thank you. Very much indeed. And uh, Jenny says, Have you seen Niall Rogers? Some footballer got his last name tattooed above his left eye. Oh. Yes, I, I read something about that, actually, I can't remember what it is. I wanted to get an interview with Niall Rogers, because he's, uh, he was part of Chic, wasn't he? And part of that, that disco explosion, you know, which was really, really good. Really, really good. Um, apparently, the woman signing on, says Bill Overton, because he knows these things, uh, was Pat Casel. Do you know, I can picture her now. Didn't she have short hair? It was sort of rather draconian, sort of short hair, and she and she signed for, for Vision Off. How do you knowing that, honestly? You clever boy, Bill. You clever boy. For that, you shall be rewarded with a cake later on. Only a very small cake, because you're a very small person. Uh, another one here from, uh, from Paul. He says, on the subject of Harry and his denial he's bisexual... Yes, this is a story of the paper today of Harry Styles because the papers came right out and said, are you bisexual? You know, it's, a, it's like saying, do you have blonde hair? You know, it's, it's that kind of silly question. And, and he said, I, as far as I know, I don't think so. So there you go. You know, just, it's, it's like, you know, my mother made me a homosexual. If I give her the wool, will she make me one? You know, that, that kind of thing. It's that kind of stereotypically Harry hanging around with anybody. If he doesn't think he's, he's bisexual, then I'm assuming he knows better than most people. But do you remember straight after... Oh, good use of words there, Paul. Straight after the Olympics, much was made of one of the other band members being seen falling out of clubs with a very well-known young man. Two of the papers all but outing them and publishing lots of photographs. And then the story disappeared. Uh, it's true. It's nobody's business, but theirs anyway. As for Harry, it was the fact that uh, not Nick, or whoever he is he keeps whinging on about, that brought the story to prominence in the first place. Morph, by the way, was the clay man, and a creation of the great Tony Hart. Yes, it's funny, we're still, we're still fascinated, aren't we, with sort of pop stars, sexuality. I don't know why anybody even gives us stuff in the day and age. Who cares in the day and age? I mean, I'd rather worry about the price of, you know, a loaf of bread. Actually, I've not had bread now for four days, don't feel any different at all. I, I don't feel as bloated. I don't feel as bloated as I did before. Somebody said to me, if you stop bread for a month, you'll feel completely different. I hope I'm going to last that long. I hope I'm going to last that long because I'm, I'm trying not to. Yesterday, I did nearly go down that route. I thought I could have some soup and, oh, no. Because if you have soup, I do like to dunk bread in. It's very common, I know, and unfortunately I am very common when it comes to soup. And I fancied doing it. I thought, no, don't have bread. Please try and stay away from bread. And I'm being quite good about it. So I haven't had any bread. I haven't had any... I've, I've had some rivita. Somebody said Rivita's quite good for you. So I ate four rivetas the other day, which I quite like. I put some coleslaw on them, just dry rivita, which was, seems OK, doesn't it? Uh, the Great British Bake Off returns to our screens next month with a bloodbath, as apparently all the contestants managed to cut themselves during filming of the first episode. <gasps> Shame it was only their fingers. Um, the show's doctor rushed around the set handing out plasters. Apparently, the source said judges Mary Berry, who we adore, and uh, Paul Hollywood, who's oh, still around, isn't he, uh, thought standards were high despite the teething problems. I wonder, really, who, who they're going to bring in for this, for this great... is it funny how you've all gone baking mad? We have a thing sometimes in this building where people bring in cakes and stuff they've made and the money goes to, to the charity, which is quite nice. I like, I like that idea. But uh, I don't like to eat... I, do, I don't like to... Um, sort of eat stuff that people have made. I want to see where it's come from, I'm afraid. I'm looking at uh, pictures in uh, in Florida, breaking news, which is coming in this huge fire. Uh, local media say several people are injured and people have been evacuated from their homes. It's a, it's a huge fire. I don't know what it's on. Is it a house fire? We just know it's an explosion. Whether it's a filling station, I've got no idea, but there's flames shooting up into the sky in Florida. They don't sort of have many of these sort of things out there, but this one looks like it's spreading. Lots and lots of explosions taking place on the screen at the moment. This is live pictures coming in from Lake County in Florida. I don't know enough about Lake County, but it's either some sort of filling station, Uh, but there's certainly enough explosions going on. We'll have uh, more news on that Probably it, uh, in, in a few minutes' uh, time. We'll try and see if we can find out something else for you on that one. So that's the story just emerging at the moment over in Florida. Local media, as I say, have said people have been uh, rushed to hospitals. It's a, a gas and propane plant I've just discovered. And uh, that's why you're getting the loud explosions. But uh, there's certainly some, uh, some flames leaping high into the sky. It's nighttime over there in Lake County in Florida at the moment. We'll have some more details coming up in a moment. Um, there's a lovely picture of Victoria Beckham. Uh, she's uh, tweeted. She's gone out of the house in flats, but she's a secret rambler, apparently. Well, we've heard her talk, so it kind of makes sense. She said, it's so good to be back in L.A. and hiking. So, quite clearly, they're not really that bothered about this country, are they, at all? They They just want to be back there in America. And as I said earlier on, David... Only, unfortunately, comes back to this country when there's a chance of making some money. And he goes back to America, he'll twiddle his thumbs until somebody so he goes, can you endorse a pair of pants or a, a stick insect or something like that? Apparently, hiking is the trendy thing they do in Los Angeles. Um, and so Vic is uh, on trend. And of course, you know, she's just there by the Hollywood sign. Looks a bit naff, really. Hollywood sign looking a bit bit dated. It used to say Hollywood Land. Do you remember it years and years ago? Now it just says Hollywood. But apparently, it's, it's a new thing to go hiking, not in the clothes that she's wearing, unfortunately. More on these Florida explosions in a moment. We'll have the, uh, the travel. It's not good news for Essex, I'm afraid. So details coming up in a moment. These headlines with Eleanor Noakes. An MP claims. With Steve Allen. Morning. Another nice house come on the market, if you fancy it. This one's owned by a Saudi prince. Prince Abdul Aziz bin Fad, And he's got a, a nice house in Kensington. Uh, it's in the uh, the billionaire's row, which is very nice. It's grade two listed. I think that means that it's quite nice. And if you want to go and view it, you've got to uh, sign a confidentiality agreement. I mean, nobody's ever heard of it. It doesn't actually make any difference. You begin to look at somebody's house. And if you're thinking of spending money on it, it's going to cost you £100 million. I don't think any house is worth £100 million. I couldn't care less who owns it. Uh, strangely enough... The, uh, the Nepalese government is said to be selling their embassy at Kensington Palace Gardens for about 100 million. And uh, Luck, Lakshmi Mittal is rumoured to be putting his home at Palace Green on the market for 120 million. There's obviously people who've got this kind of money, but I mean, to be honest with you, me and you are going to rattle around inside it. But it's 100 million pounds, and you've got to sign the confidentiality. It's coming up with um, Knight Frank. I should go onto their website later and uh, find out more about it. I quite, I quite like the idea of living in a house that's worth 100 million. But I suppose it just makes the rest of us look like paupers, doesn't it? You know, a 100 million pound house. Well, I mean, that's so far removed from anything that we could ever afford. Even if we won Euro millions, even if you won 160 million on the lottery, you're still not going to be spending 100 million of it on a house in Kensington, are you? You've got your rates to pay and all the, all the other things. Um, Uh, A lot of people talking about Boris Johnson saying he's a sensitive soul, bless him, and uh, and a cyclist here was dragged to his death under the wheels of an HGV after misjudging an attempt to ride across a road. This is a, a, a mature student working for a sandwich delivery firm collided with a lorry after clipping a central pavement curb and losing control of the bike. Uh, which was rather a shame, but you do see this. We see this all the time. I mean, I've discovered it's the people with the go-faster stripes and the silly Lycra who jumped the traffic lights. There was one the other day in, in Twickenham. He had no intention of stopping for any light at all. He just went through every single... Even on junctions, went through on every single one of them. You so want to be a policeman and go, you, over here now, instant fine, £150. And that set of traffic lights, another 150 I mean, he literally jumped four sets of lights in front of me. Every single... And I thought to myself, you know, you're either a complete idiot or somebody should be taken off the road very, very quickly. And unfortunately, they aren't. But we do occasionally have the police who stop people cycling on the pavements because they're the ones who drive me even more, even more angry. Uh, Niall Ranger is a poor excuse for a human being who's had his name tattooed on his face. Niall Rogers is the legend, while Ranger isn't. So there you go. That's the person who's had the thinking, Freddie... Thank you very much indeed for uh, for that. Uh, the Newcastle footballer is now Ranger. He's got Ranger tattooed around his left eye. Why, Steve? I've got no idea. I've got loads of tattoos from head to, oh dear, from head to foot. Every tattoo tells a story, although I wear a long sleeve top and my hair is grown. You wouldn't think I have any. Full back, arms, legs. It's, it, it becomes an addiction, doesn't it, I believe? People who have tattoos have said to me before... I, I know somebody uh, who, who's got a lot of tattoos, including up the side of his neck, and I keep thinking... Why would you have that done? And it's an addiction. People have it done and they they actually... Yeah, I mean, if you've got people on the back of their legs, why would you want that done? Why would you want it done? I mean, yesterday I did say that the, these ones that women have on their back and then Charlie Girling from our showbiz department texted me to say she's got one of these as well. I would completely forgotten about hers. <laughs> Poor Charlie, honestly, never mind. But I mean, I, I, I don't know many presenters who've actually got them in this building. I know that there are people who work on the, some of the producers who work on some of the music stations uh, have got them. But then I think that kind of goes with the territory. I don't know any of our management who've got tattoos. I'll have to check with James later on. Yeah, Do you think James has got a tattoo hidden away somewhere? I think I asked him about it, actually. I'm sure I did say to him, Have you've got any tattoos. He looked at me. He looked at me like I was mad. Completely mad. You know, why on earth would you ever ask me if I've got tattoos? Because I'm just curious, because I always think the people who, who sort of look, look the straightest are the ones who probably got them hidden away. I remember seeing a picture once. It was a book called Tattoo, and it was the Japanese gangs in America. Uh, sorry, Japanese gangs in Japan. And this man, when he was wearing his suit... He just looked perfectly normal. When he took all his clothes off and was standing there in just his pants, his entire body was covered with tattoos because it was tribal. And I, when I say tribal, it sort of went with the with the territory of, of running with, with the gangs and things like that. But I'm totally convinced that there's going to be somebody in this building now who I'm not aware of who's got tattoos. I shall find them, don't worry. <laughs> they, they will not escape. They will not escape. Uh, dot uk. So you've got rain again today, I'm afraid. And uh, unless you take your umbrella out, you're going to be in a in a dreadful state. Apparently, Treadwell Collins was responsible for the uh, Christian Syed storyline. East Enders says Bridget has never been the same since they left, and it's tedious now. I have high hopes that uh, Dominic Treadwell Collins will revive the show. It certainly needs something doing, doesn't it? If they're losing out to um, those up in Emmerdale, it's. Uh, you know its it's got to be bad news, so you've got to put it in. See the trouble is you have a good storyline, then the characters leave, and then they see i want i want I want Pete Beale brought back. I want Pete Beale brought back. I want them to give him some sort of storyline because he's he's lovely. he's out there, and he'd love to go and do something like that. just have a you know go back and say hello or do just do something, just do something I, I would definitely like that uh, cabby Keith, Cabby Keith. <laughs> That's like Gabby, Keith, doesn't it? Sorry. Sorry, Keith. Talk of hanging baskets, the prettiest display in London I've seen is at the front of the, the Moulton Mowbray pub in and It should win an award. Yes, pubs do very well, don't they? Pubs do very well. That's quite nice. I mean, I think there should be awards for hanging baskets. They're very pretty. It's water in the blasted things. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mitch says, I used to watch How? with Fred Dinage and Jack Hargreaves, And then they brought in, who was the bloke who had a lisp? Was it Gaz Top? He did how as well. I think that came from Meridian Television. I'm sure it did. How, oh, and it was it was it was questions. It, it was a question. Johnny says a quick remedy to eat sensibly with moderate exercise. Imagine somebody really muscular like like Eamon Holmes and try to attain his Greek-like stature. <laughs> uh, Nina in Raines Park says, "Do you remember Twizzle? I do, but I can't remember what Twizzle was. Was Twizzle a?" Did it twist? Oh, that's a stupid question. Was it, did it twizzle? I can't remember anything about that. Uh, Darren says Morph was an early creation of Ardman uh, animations. OK. I hate everything, says Jan, about the, the great British Bake Off. Uh, the girl from Follyfoot Farm was Delboy Trotter's wife in Only Fools and Horses. Oh, right what was, it? was there a theme tune? Paul, let's ask you to write the theme tune for me. Write the theme tune? Sing the theme theme tune. And uh, there was a kids' programme uh, called Bleep and Booster. Yes, I remember Bleep and Booster, but I couldn't tell you for the life of me what it was. Hattie Town and one with Witchy Poo. I forgot the name. Southern Television made Free Wheelers, How, Country Boy, and Wurzel Gummage. Um, Best kids' programme, Why Don't You? says Paul. Yes, Why Don't You? Get up and go and do something more interesting. It was a load of kids, wasn't it? And there's another kids' program on the television at the moment, which is which is fairly current. With some um, Streetwise kids, they're also they look like they come out of stage school, and they're doing things. You know, somebody's teaching you to break dance, and they have pop stars in there. And I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's based similarly on the Why Don't You? This is because there is a survey out at the moment trying to come up with. It sounds a bit naff. I'm so sorry. Uh, the best children's TV programs, and depending on how old you are, determines, I suppose, which particular children's programmes you remember. And so, oh, unfortunately, I remember most of them. And, and some were good and some were... I'd say I never liked Bagpuss. I could never get into Bagpuss at all. Was it was like a stuffed toy in a shop window or something. Whereas I liked uh, Trumpton and uh, Noddy was OK, you know, in, in sort of small doses. Not too much of Noddy. And uh, and his friend Big Ears, which we can't talk about. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? In children's programmes, you've actually... somebody called Big Ears because he's got big ears as opposed to fat and old and hangs around with Noddy. You know, why don't you play with children your own age or something? Noddy appear to have no friends at all, apart from a talking cat, I ask you. Talking cat. Uh, another one here. Just love to see you're all remembering these things. Um, Johnny says, is EastEnders written by a nice middle-class 12-year-old who once read a book about the East End in the 1980s? It is now beyond a parody, but not funny. Well, it, it, isn't, it isn't the East End which you... Ladies and gentlemen, no, out there is it? It's the it's the television version of East End, but it, it's not the same. You're quite right. You know, people who live in the East End say it's nothing like it round here. It used to be in the early days with Pat Butcher and people. You know, it was you know real real characters. Now you look through the uh, the Queen Vic, they're all a bit. I don't even know half of them are. I've got no idea. I know Ian Beale because he's been there since God created heaven and earth, and nothing on any other planets. And I think he's actually quite good because I I like him. As a character, I could tell you stories about uh, Adam Wood yet, even before he was famous. Even before he was famous. Uh, Debbie and Elton remembers black beauty. Tracy says, I'm so sorry, Steve. 30 degrees on Thursday. Sorry to be the bearer of, of good news. Yeah, right. And, uh, and Jan says, I don't, I, I don't want it to be 29 degrees. I don't want it to be 29 degrees either. But we're all going to have to suffer. Uh, Pipkins, when Pig was in the cellar eating all the cream buns, says Fiona. Uh, Waiting for God starred Stephanie Cole, who's now playing Roy Cropper's mum in Coronation Street. And uh, and one here from Cameron with a K. Oh, dear. I'm totally with you. Get rid of the sun. Sweaty, smelly people. Bring on the cold ice, scarves, coats and grey skies. Lovely. Uh, Lynn says, read the poor couple had their caravan stolen. The not-so-subtle difference between having a police force and the police service that we have now. Uh, Johnny Morris says, Sarah in St Albans... The animal programmes he made, the voices for the animals. Yes, he actually talked with the animals. Ooh, I'm a big hippo. You'd have a picture of a hippo or something. It was very good. He was actually a zookeeper, wasn't he? And run around with Mike Reed, says Darren. Uh, yes, it was also done with Keith Chapman, I believe. Go, And all the kids had run, it flashing lights. A bit like the news, which is next at LBC.
0: On FM, conversation with Steve Allen.
1: Morning, everybody. Five past six, it's LBC 97.3. Intrigued by the fact that Brompton Road Station's up for sale. £20 million. It's on the Piccadilly Line. Closed 1936. There are a lot of these what they call ghost stations. There's one down the road from here. Well, actually, it's not down the road from here at all. I'm not talking about... It's uh, just before you go to uh, Fleet Street. And they use it for filming. And when you go into... We went in it the last time they had Open House Day. And they opened up... It's Aldwych, isn't it? They opened up the the station. You could go in there. And it was fascinating because they've got the, the lifts that took you down to the platform, and all the phone boxes, and, uh, and it'll take you back. It does take you back. It's one of those very yeah. nostalgic things to do, when you remember getting the tubes years ago, and then you, you go down there, and you look at the, uh, the Brompton Road station, and you look at the, uh, the stuff on YouTube, and it's a ghost station. I remember once they were doing some filming on it, on another station, and it was all Victorian costume. And as people went through on their train, you could see them going, "What in God's name is going on?" All these, you know, people in in character. I think that's that's quite a nice idea, but it's uh, it's really good. It's really good. But what you would do with it, I don't know. It's twenty million pounds. Do you get your own? Tra- do you, can you stop the train there? You go stop, stop. No more trains. But it has been it has been used as a as a bunker. It's lovely actually, isn't it? Really. But what you would? It's um, it's there. I'm just looking at the picture of it. It's Brompton Road, isn't it? It's Brompton Road. I mean, it's it's quite a big building. So I suppose for 20 million, I don't know wh- whether you would... I don't know. I mean, it, 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 the reason it closed is because they didn't get any passengers. They now got all the Boris bikes outside it. And, uh, and then it was used as a headquarters in the Second World War for the gunners fighting waves of Hitler's... Bombers. Uh, owned by the MOD. It's home to local university cadet groups, and so now they want to sell it. It's 28,000 square feet. Very close to Harrods. Very, make a nice house, wouldn't it? I could have it as a nice house. And so uh, they're hoping to get 20 million. Because it's a uh, prime site, I'm assuming... You're not allowed to change it. I don't know whether or not it's listed, the, the red tiles inside there. Because I can't think what else you'd do with it, because I'm uh, assuming that there must be stairs that go down to the platform. Are they all blocked off now? Or do you get the stairs that are thrown in with it? And you go, well, actually, you won't believe what we've got in our basement. We've got the tubes. You know, and you sort of take people down. And you say, we'll have drinks down here this evening. You know, and you sort of decorate it with palm trees. and You sit on the platform. Because I'm assuming that the platforms come with it. Well, I don't know whether it's blocked away. I don't know. I'm assuming that the... Well, I mean, the, the trains still run through. It's just that because you're sitting on the... How many people look out the window on a tube train? You can't see anything. Years ago, they used to have open carriages, you know, where was, you'd get all the fumes and the stuff in your face. Oh, you'd emerge them with bits of clinker stuck to your hair. Stuff like that. But, I mean, I'm assuming you then can say to people, and through this door here, we've got our very own tube station. If you put your hand out, they'll stop. Not. £20 million, it's good. It's good, isn't it? I'd, I'd be quite interested in buying it if I had 20 million, but I'd need to see it to decide what I wanted to do with it. producer thinks a museum, but she's dull as anything. You know, why you'd want to open it as a, muse- a museum? How boring would that be? But it's, it's very interesting. I mean, look, when you actually... There's stuff on YouTube, and it's all... I mean, it frightens the life out of those dark places. When we were at London Zoo the other day, um, we were watching mice running across the back of one of the cages where they've got owls. I thought, oh, you're doomed. But uh, there are lots of people who will go round these places and they will um, film underground tunnels, underground bunkers and everything else. I mean, it's, it's quite fascinating that it's all under our feet. Well, it's not under my feet at the moment because I'm taking my feet out of my shoes, and, uh, and it, which is quite nice. But they've got all the air conditioning units and everything else. What are you going to do with it? I've got no idea. Open it up to the public for tours. But you can't risk it, can you? Because people might go too near the platform and trains are going to whiz through there. So you've got the health and safety. What if you get an escalator? I'd like an escalator. <laughs> it can't be residential developments because apparently, it's uh, it's mostly underground. Well, you could live underground. People live underground. There was a place for sale a short while ago in Tottenham Court Road. well, I say a short while ago, about five years ago, and it was the it's used as a storage. But it's underground tunnels in Tottenham Court Road. And you only see it just past the station where you see the big air vent come up there. So, I mean, that you, you could live underground. You just paint a picture of a happy field and a cow in it or something. Or you run a, you know... A th- I was watching the fish upstairs. I'm fascinated by fish. And in our canteen, <laughs> the other week... I don't know why. Well, I thought somebody had lost their marbles. But there were all these fish bowls. And I'm talking to my friend Toby. And in the fish bowls, there are fish swimming round... And we look at it and I'm going, are they real? They turn out to be battery operated fish, but they're tiny, but their little tail flicks. So they do swim round the bowl. Because I had one years ago, they were magnets. But this one, they've got about six bowls up there. And I'm trying to find where you get them from. But they're little tiny fish with batteries in, and their little tail flicks. And they're, they're, have you seen them? Really impressive, honestly. You'd have thought they were real, anyway. Um, does anybody remember the Thames television series, Jumble? Land in 1970, as well as joint producing with husband Mike Margolis. Anita Harris starred as Witch Wit Witty. By the way, she was 71 in June this year. Lovely, friendly and true professional. Yes, I saw her, actually, John, at uh, Our Lady Rattlings a short while ago. And it uh, look, looks very good. Uh, 84850, stevenlbc.co.uk Top cat, potty time. Happy day, says Mark in Haybridge. I know. It's awful, really, when you sort of think that, you know, they were the best times. I found a book the other day which somebody sent me, which is things to do between the ages of 50 and 60. I was so depressed. I've had to start drinking. It's ridiculous. Uh, Rosie and Jim going down the river. Yes, I, yes, I quite like that one as well, Tony. Um, what about Anna Karen in East End, who was Olive in On the Buses? I know, I, I still watch On the Buses now. It's terribly sexist, but, I mean, who cares? It was if it's, If It's Time, I'm afraid. Uh, old station under the AA building in the basement near Monument Station. Kevin says, living in Harlow, we had the co-op biscuit factory, and I always thought that as the workers came out for a dance at six o'clock, for a dance like in Chigley, as you could see, growing up was a challenge. Well, quite clearly. Uh, you get the fish from Hawkins Bazaar, says Tony. I knew somebody in know. They come with a bowl, do they? They're little tiny fish, but they've obviously got some battery in there. This thing, it swims round the bowl and dives and does everything else, but it's tiny. It's not like one of these big things. Very clever. So, Hawkins Bazaar, dear. Oh, well. So sure Somebody will send me one at some point. Um, another one here. Uh, yeah, Michael Benteen's Potty Time. Camberwick Green, and Trumpton. Um, and then there was the Thighman. There was Hugh Pugh, Barney McGrew, Cuthbert Dibble and somebody, and Grubb. Cuthbert Grubb. There you go. I knew I could finish that one. Thank you, Uh, Kevin. Uh, Rent-A-Ghost. Didn't Biggins appear in Rent-A-Ghost? I remember. Grain Chill with Tucker Jenkins, which was a spin-off. Sarah and Hopperty. Was Hopperty a rabbit? Titch and Quackers was, in fact, Ray Allen, the ventriloquist. And he had Titch and Quackers, I'm I'm pretty certain. And I think it then became a a cartoon. Um, uh, Gaz Top. A lot of people remembering Gaz Top. We can't remember why we remember Gaztop, but he was, he was a TV... But he, he went on to do How, and that's why I remembered him. Uh, interesting feature I noticed in the paper yesterday. I should have mentioned it earlier on, because it's what I've been saying all the time. This is an exiled Zimbabwean politician who has accused Britain and the world of having sat on their hands over decades of corruption and violence under that uh, disgusting Robert Mugabe. Well, the good news is he's going to die soon, so that'll be good news for everybody. I don't know how, actually, to be honest with you, he's been allowed to get away with anything. I really don't. Do you remember when, when Peter Tatchell attacked him in his car? Do you remember that one? It was Mugabe, wasn't it? He didn't have a bodyguard with him. And and Tatchell told me. He opened the, the front of the car and went, I'm arresting you for crimes against... And you could see Mugabe going, whoa! Because he's going straight to hell. Absolutely. Uh, kid shows. A lot of people remember the kid shows. Uh, Nightmare. Don't remember. Funhouse. Finders Keepers with Neil Buchanan. Neil Buchanan ended up owning... That drawing programme, he owns the rights to it. And so that was on the... Te- you don't see that now on the television, do you? And I can't remember what the programme was called, but he owned... Was it Art Attack? That's right, he owned Art Attack. How you ever got that? And, um... Which I thought was quite good, actually. I don't remember Games Master, which was a computer games programme aimed at kids. Uh, but I, I do not remember that one at all. I remember Fred Dynage... Um... And apparently his great uncle, James Dynage, died in the Titanic disaster. He was a saloon steward, says John. He knows these things because he is the man who counts the rivets on the Titanic.
0: LBC 97 with Steve Allen.
1: Morning, 18 minutes past six. Nick Ferrari and the team with you after the news at seven this morning. Nick will be asking, how does the 111 fiasco rate against the other government scandals of recent years, plus his new guidelines into support for ADHD are released. Nick will be talking to an expert who believes in eighty percent of cases the condition is misdiagnosed. And should children spend their summer holidays being tutored to keep their brains sharp. I watched Tom Brown's school days the other day, the nineteen thirty six version. I think it's about nineteen thirty six, and it was amazing how relevant it is to today's Things You know, there was bullying going on at rugby school, even then with Flashman who got found out. It was, it was quite interesting to watch it. Very dreadful quality, the, the copy thing, but, uh, but still interesting. Uh, the Daily Mirror, all the papers telling you... It's funny, funny, actually, the Daily Mirror was the one who were banging on about how much Margaret Thatcher's funeral was going to cost. They were saying it was £10 million. And, oh, I don't know. And, um, sorry, and uh, I couldn't remember... <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, no, it doesn't help, actually, because I can't hear anything on them anyway. <laughs> We'll have to... Sorry, we're just checking the headphones in the... I'm sorry about that. I was just momentarily... who <laughs> Momentarily distracted. <laughs> Do the headphones work? I don't know. So I put them on. Anyway, so where was I? Oh, they weren't plugged in, were they? No. That's why we couldn't hear anything. Yes, the Mirror and Thatcher's funeral And they were the ones who were saying, oh, it's going to cost £10 million and all this kind of thing. Turns out £1.2 And the Thatcher family contributed to a lot of it. And uh, the rest of it was just... was just, you know spinning it. Spinning it out of control. You know, even Diane Abbott's going, Oh, it's gonna cost us ten million pounds. It Didn't cost anything like that. The most expensive thing was the policing, which was just under the million, and then I think uh, for St Paul's Cathedral it's about eighty thousand pounds. Which actually seemed quite a lot for a funeral. I dunno I don't know what you get for your eighty thousand. So they go, We well, can have full use of the toilets and we'll we'll throw in a choir as well or something like that. Uh, Daily Mirror as well. Ian Brady's failed fight to be moved to jail from a secure mental hospital has cost you Half a million pounds. Now, that is a waste of money, as far as I'm concerned. The hard-up NHS was forced to shell out £200,000 to prove that the Moors murderer is insane. I mean, I, we've got loads of these people in prison. There's loads of people who are in there. They say that £200,000 could have been spent on mental health patients desperate for help. Well, you see more of that, don't you? More of that. Uh, also, the NHS 111 helpline on the brink of collapse after its biggest provider dramatically pulled out. I've never used it. I've never, ever used it. I've, I've, uh, I've, no, I've never used it. The, the one, one, one thing. I mean, do, do people use it or is it not, not particularly used? I don't know. We'll find out probably later on uh, today. Nick will be talking about that a little bit later on. Uh, Lost in space, Steve, says uh, Karen. Never fear, Smith is here. Yes, that was a bit eerie, wasn't it? The Clangers, Banana Spits, Mary Mungo and Midge. Lost in space, Steve. You can buy, I think I've got a box set. ...of Lost in Space. I'm pretty certain. Pretty certain. Uh, you'll need a lot of cows on the walls, says uh, Steve, to make you feel it's not underground, looking at the abandoned stations and the Brompton Road. I mean, well, I was just thinking, because some people say they, they couldn't live underground. I don't know why. I can live underground, because you live underground. People lived underground. Well, you don't need any windows at all. You just have a little bit of light coming in, or just hang a small bulb in the middle or something. I could live without seeing that. I mean, as long as you, I mean, it's not like you're in prison. You're not staying there, as you know, every every hour of the day. Oh, right. Uh, Miriam says hearing your interest in underground stations is very uplifted. But I, because I've always been fascinated. Oh, I went down the Oldwich when it was open. They had it open for the for the day, and that was that was really good. And if you go onto YouTube, you can find all of the all the stations which are disused, and you'll find a list of there's websites devoted to them. Many of them are used for filming now. In fact, they use Oldwich I think a lot of the time. And um, I went down with a group and went down Down Street Station, which was built too close to Green Park Station, so subsequently closed. It, too, was used as a wartime bunker. Great experience to see light and dust at the end of the tunnel, the old posters. But my favourite station, St James's, with its array of old tobacconist kiosks all shuttered up on the platform. The wood, if you look at it, beautiful pale colour. The strangest thing I ever saw on a tube station was uh, near the tunnel at Farringdon, a bath Place to the side of the platform. It's absolutely true. Uh, Obviously came from one of the underground staff rooms. My favourite thing to do, and you can get to do it occasionally, is you can go down the Kingsway Tunnel. Now, I think it's run by the London Transport Museum. I think you probably need to check on that one. But occasionally they do tours down there. The Kingsway Tunnel is the one where you go from... um, Waterloo, you come over the bridge, then you go down the tunnel. The trams used to go under there, but if you come up to the top bit you go through Hoburn and it comes out the uh, the end bit there, you can go down there and they've still got stuff in the in the Kingsway Tunnel. You can see the tram lines coming out. That's a fairly good one to do. I was offered that one ages and ages ago and I for some reason I didn't get round to doing it. And then I did years ago get offered another one and again I never did it. There's a park Cranbrook Park? Cranbrook Park no, it isn't Cranbrook Park, it's something else, near, in between Hayes and Hounslow. And there was a big house on the site years ago, and there's a park there, there's a little church. The house is long gone, but what they've got are the tunnels underneath this huge park. And you can go down them. The, the, the council offered me the chance to go down into the tunnels underneath what would have been the big house. Because when they built the big house, they put in the, the tunnels, and you think to yourself, wow... Quite impressive. And I, I never did that one either. I never did that one. Uh, Uncle Rob is uh, is up. Yes, it would be very good to catch up, Uncle Rob. Definitely. I was thinking about it the other day. I shall send you a, I shall send you a message later on, actually. Uh, Uncle Rob, I used to go for breakfast with. I mean, small wonder on the size I am. Ridiculous. Having, and also, because I'm, I'm, I'm cancelling out bread. But if I go for breakfast, it's going to come with toast going to come with toast. It's not so great, is it? I'm trying not to. Uh, Return of the killer heat wave. the Mirror is saying today, and the other papers are following the same line. 90 degrees Fahrenheit on Thursday. Do you know how many people have died already in this heat? 760. 760 people. Um, Forecasters say a Spanish plume of hot air from the Mediterranean. Typical Spain, isn't it? Typical them to give us something we don't want. 90 degrees in the south. Uh, The Midlands, 29 uh, on Thursday. Uh, 760 people have died prematurely in the recent heatwave, according to figures from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. They say that uh, heart and breathing problems are worse. I just can't go out on it. Rupert Barger and I had a long discussion about air conditioning earlier on. And uh, there is considerable considerable evidence that heatwaves are dangerous and can kill. I mean, the people who are at risk... Uh, are people with mobility problems, the over-75s, babies, and those active in sport who who work outdoors. Dreadful, isn't it, really? I mean, I don't know why I can't bear it. I cannot bear it at all, I'm afraid. Uh, also, uh, today, little Julie has, uh, has come up with um, Play Away. Play Away. Yes, Play Away. Was Play Away Brian Kant? Take Heart and Play School? Play Away, Play Away, Play Away, Play... Way a play or something like that. Kids loved it. Kids like, But I, I think nowadays all the kids get is cartoons. And that's why I think it's it's not as good, not as good for uh, for educating the kids nowadays. I think that they should actually have proper programmes. Uh, Simon says, regarding the underground, there's the Epping to Ongar Railway Open Days. Oh, I've done those. Oh, yes, 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 I've done that. We have done the trains from there. And we've done... Uh, the buses, they've got the Rootmasters, pardon me, the Rootmasters uh, down there. The Wombles lived underground, Stephen. They seemed OK with it. Yes, they did, actually. There's nothing bad with Wombles. They just went round picking up litter. Um remember Cracker Jack with Eamon Andrews? I do. Thank you, Ross in the Lake District. Muffin the Mule, Whirly Gig and Billy Bunter. Yes, I can't remember who played Billy Bunter, but I, I can picture him. Gerald Campion. Gerald Campion. Isn't it funny the things you remember and then the other things you can't remember? It's uh, it's Pew Pew, Barney McGrew. They're twins. No Hugh, says Ken in Witton. Oh God, I couldn't care less. Uh, Hector's House and Catweasel. Yes, I liked uh, Cat Weasel. And um, Let's Pretend was the best Steve, says Darren in Bexley. I don't remember that one. Was it, was it a made-up programme? Um, Carol Vorderman used to be on How with Fred Dinage and Gaz Top, says Alan. Oh, right. Uh, villain on. Vision on, sorry. The Double Deckers. Yep. Tea bag. I don't remember at all. Tea bag. Does that mean anything to anybody? Tea bag. Yeah, as in, t- not a tea bag, but... T- do you remember it? Am I facing the right way or what? What's going on? <laughs> I don't don't remember that one at all. I think sometimes people just make up a name and say, have you heard of that one? The Coffee Club, you know, and you sort of go, yeah, I've heard of that one. Not really, (laughs) not really. And I don't remember it was, um, I don't remember Carol Valdeman being on How at all, but if you say she was, I didn't think she was actually, but somebody might, I might have to, uh, might have to be humble pie on that one. The Tomorrow People, yes. And uh, uh, Pete Beale is dead. He died in a car crash, Steve. Well, they could bring him back. I see no reason why I can't bring people back. We've had all sorts of other people brought back. Uh, regarding the underground, oh, that's right, the Eppington on train we've done. Uh, mortgage rate slashed again, which can only be good news for everybody at the moment. Uh, and uh, Charles eating so obviously Prince Charles likes oysters. Camilla's going eee! at the back there because I can't bear oysters either. It <laughs> just doesn't do a thing for me. And that's on the front. Yesterday from the Express, they, you got a free thimble. Today it's a free. Prince George commemorative piggy bank. <laughs> Looks vile. Absolutely. But the good news is brushing, brush, brushing? brushing your teeth can prevent dementia. So there you go. Uh, the sun this morning, Kim and hubby number two on the rock. This is a main story on the paper. You know, there's all sorts of things going on in the world. And the main story is some, you know, average actress on Coronation Street is splitting up from husband number two. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Uh, what lack of sleep does to your face... I don't know, actually. Some people say, you know, you heard people say that you've got to wait for your face to settle in the morning. I've had that before. If you wake up too early, you go, I've got to wait for my face to settle. Try smiling first thing in the morning when you you wake up. And it it doesn't look the same as it does a little bit later. I try that regularly. Um, The Pope here, who am I to judge gay people? And uh, inflation has killed the minimum wage that's on the front of the Independent. And finally, the... Telegraph this morning. On the front page, there's... uh, Oh, it's an advert. Why do they do this? I get so annoyed. They do it on the Metro as well. So you don't really get a front page. You just get a free advert. The main picture is a side of uh, Princess Beatrice in Saint-Tropez doing nothing, as per usual. Why don't you get a job, dear? Do us all a favour. Do something, for God's sake, with your life. It's a bit vacuous and empty at the moment. There's me being bitter and twisted at the end of the programme. Thank God. It's been like that since four. do it again tomorrow morning at the same time. I'll have a free podcast for you up very, very shortly and uh, we'll see what what celebrities are in the firing line. Have yourself a great day. Take an umbrella because you're going to get a bit of rain and a bit of sunshine. And then Thursday, we're just going to swelter again. Nick and the team with you at seven. Next, the morning news with Lisa Aziz. This is...